Hi, I'd like to begin the episode by thanking some folks who have given to our Patreon. People like David Giza, Ryan Bennett, George, Andy Retro Donake, and John Ames. All of these are people who have gone to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv, kicked us some money, and helped support this show and other shows like it on the network. You can be like them and get tons of extra stuff in return uh, by going to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Thank you. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireball's Dispatch, our monthly show where we answer your questions, we talk about a topic, and we read your responses to that month's games. Yeah, and then at the end of the episode, we announce the games we're going to be covering two months from now. Although you can probably just check the Twitter thread or, you know, the Patreon because we're doing those images now. So a little bit of the suspense is taken away. Yeah, so somebody will tell you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah somebody will tell you or uh, yeah i just uh the uh the the koi factor on the network <laughs> is one of the weirder choices we've ever made and i don't see it aging that well i think eventually yeah. we'll grow out of that um <laughs> and just be so, like here's what we're doing in two years some, it, some, some t- sometime in year 14 <laughs> yeah, yeah just, uh still growing <laughs> uh yeah so we're gonna answer questions uh i'll get us started here We'll just get right into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gray Rain says, is there a DLC or an expansion that you enjoyed more than the base game? When I played Miramasa Rebirth on the Vita, the DLC characters were so much fun uh, to play that it made me made it hard to go back to the main game. I mean, I feel like we've made a little bit of a habit of doing these on the show, right? Uh, Mask of the Betrayer, miles ahead of base Neverwinter Nights 2. I probably wouldn't have played Neverwinter Nights 2, A, if it wasn't for the show, and B, if it wasn't, you know, if it didn't lead directly into Mask of the Betrayer, right? Mask of the Betrayer is the only one I think that uh, I like a lot more than the base game. That's the thing, right? There are tons of worthy follow-ups, like things that are just as good. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, but it's like, I don't know, you know, I don't like dead money more than I like New Vegas. Right. I just like it as part of New Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's really tough, but, um, Far Harbor, I Far think is the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Far Harbor would be a good, a good one, I think, uh, to, to, to throw in there. The, the Wasteland 3 DLC location that i did there was two of them i only did one of them mm-hmm. uh was really good uh the one that is the like the factory that's making uh making weapons yeah for the uh for colorado like that's a that's a really good mm-hmm. dlc i don't know if i like it better or if it's just also good and fits in yeah, so, yeah. oh i like so there are Le- definitely some but <laughs> i like outlast whistleblower more than i like the base game of outlast it's scarier better paced etc yeah yeah, lots of whistles, lots of fun whistles to blow. Uh, <laughs> different, different sounds you get to compare the noises. One sounds know? like an owl. One sounds like a train. It's great. Yeah, one goes. Zzzz. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, one, that one's a ring. <laughs> yeah, that's a special ring. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Lucas, uh, I know we just got Elden Ring, uh, but where would you want FromSoft to go with their next title? What would you think about a Bloodborne or Sekiro spiritual sequel in an Elden Ring style open world? Sure. Yeah. Uh, that that'd be you know that'd be fun. Uh, more you know more Bloodborne for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that would be cool. I don't um I don't know if they will just take their kind of you know Souls combat and apply it to open world mm-hmm. and go back and do the other uh kind of kind of games are like that. I'll I'll be curious. Yeah. Um. I basically like I don't know what to predict now after being pretty cold on Sekiro and really really hot on Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm back to trusting them to do what they want to do now, yeah. uh, basically. And then there's stuff that we know that what that's in the pipeline, right? Um, new armored core, uh, something they're working on. Yep. I'm curious about that just because, you know, they've been in a different mode for so long. How much of the stuff that we really like is going to be backported in. Um, mm-hmm. you know, just really, really curious. I, I try, I trust that studio quite a bit. Um, yeah, and obviously Elden Ring DLC. So, like, anything that we say would be at least three years out. So it's hard to be, like, terribly excited about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could be something we don't even know to wish for. hmm Yeah. Uh, Joe Benson says, uh, Would you guys ever put the Breath of Fire series on the WAF podcast? Preferably the third or fourth entry. Uh, and then uh, any JRPG music that gives you instant nostalgia attack... Or that Ratatouille critic scene, for example, the Legend of Dracoon menu music does that for me. Um, it would definitely be the third if we do it on uh, on here. It's a little bit too close to like a basic ass RPG. Uh, we like to uh, veer away from that, or at least put a bunch of stuff in between. Uh, but yeah, I am a huge booster for three. Yeah, I would. I would like to cover at some point Dragon Quarter. Yes. Um, but that's also. Mm-hmm. Not what you asked, uh, but in ter- <laughs> well, I guess they did. Uh, that is in the Breath of Fire series. Yes, yeah. So at some point, I would like to talk about that because I think that's really interesting. It was way ahead um, of its time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not chomping at the bit for it, but I would be mm-hmm. down. Yeah, at some point. Yeah, uh, I'm not not again it in that I'm not specifically again it <laughs> without while also not bit chomping for. It. I played three and four mm-hmm. and one. Like I, I weirdly, I played most of the Breath of Fire. <laughs> fire series uh-huh. which i didn't uh you know it's strange to think back on uh-huh. um and i mostly remember like summoning weird little critters okay. uh you know but i don't i remember like the fonts and the color scheme and absolutely nothing about the plotter characters yeah like that part was exceedingly unmemorable mm-hmm. to me uh so i don't um you know, I don't know if that actually is indicative at all of uh, of the game, or if that's just memory or what. Mm-hmm. So it just it's it's hard. I'm not excited. I guess is, yeah. it would be my half of that. But sure, why not? I'll make a recommendation for Joe on uh, Amazon. Uh, I only say that because that's where I got it because it was advertised to me there. Uh, very recently, a a company did a big um, art book of uh, art and like notes and documents and stuff from the Breath of Fire series. That is really good. Uh, it should also be mm. rel- relatively inexpensive, nice, attractive, hardback book. Um, and I'm such a big fan of three that I bought it, even though I am, you know, relatively cool on one, two and four. Uh, there's not as much dragon quarter there as I would like. Uh, but yes, nice. 
it is I, I i generally like those kind of like big art books i like to sit there mm-hmm. and read them while the palmers um jump up and down and go turbo team yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, I I much prefer things like the fine art of the division too, <laughs> or uh, I just go to that corner of the bookstore that's never been touched. <laughs> yeah, and I, uh, I just no, randomly pick. Nobody's sure who stocks it. <laughs> yeah, it just it just came with the they build the bookstore around a big stack of uh, Tom Clancy's art book. Yeah. Oh, also, uh, if you go to the Duckfeed YouTube channel, I did a playthrough of breath of fire three there's even a condensed version of it if you would like to see so if yeah. you're if you're champing at the bit for that um as far as the music uh uh the red wings theme from final fantasy 4 will always get me going the baron theme. that's a good one yeah the yeah. Dun, 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 dun. yeah it, it's the 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 unsatisfying answer is anything from final fantasy 4 or 6 yeah uh basically we'll do it mm-hmm. um yeah real hard yeah so even the, even the stuff that is, I don't like very much will still grab my brain just because I listen to it so often. Mm-hmm. Like the Velt theme will co- show up in the oh, background yeah. of a YouTube. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not even that big a fan of that piece of music or that character yeah. in that game. Not I'm that mechanic. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah bum, irritating bum, mechanic, bum, 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 like grindy, <laughs> stupid mechanic. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> whoa. Yeah. <laughs> oh fucking gal yeah <laughs> horrible goblin oh uh naveen writes uh is there a piece of gaming hardware that you fe- that you feel special affection for my ds light was with me through a rough patch in my life uh and often playing a round of elite beat agents or final fantasy tactics uh was what got me through the day uh, I'm doing much better now, but I still smile when I see my old clamshell friend uh, in the drawer from time to time. Uh, do you have any hardware, controller, console, accessory uh, that you have a sentimental connection with? My clamshell friend got too dirty and I had to throw it out. <laughs> I can't keep it anymore, sadly. Like, they're hard to clean. Um, I, I feel like this about uh, two things. One, I love the laptop GBA. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, my my black uh, laptop GBA with where I put one of my band stickers hmm. on the back of it. I'm very affectionate towards. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, my Game Boy camera, uh, which is the reason I kept a Game Boy Pocket around because uh, I love that piece of hardware. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know you still had that. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. You can buy adapters yeah. to put that in modern ones, but it's they're very costly. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it just uh, like blood, you know, it'd be, be a weird form factor mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like it, it never leaves my, my game boy. <laughs> it's all, ba- it's basically to say digital camera, like yeah. a big awkward digital camera. <laughs> Uh, for me, a similar, uh, anybody who follows me on Twitter knows that I occasionally just go into a th- multi-tweet long reverie about how much I miss the era of transparent plastic emblemized, um, uh, or, you know, emblematic of that would be my, uh, transparent purple Game Boy color. You see one mm-hmm. of those? For some reason, yeah. I just, I really, yeah. as, I really associate that particular piece of hardware. I really wish I still had it. I don't know what happened to it. Um, with like lots of like fun road trip vacations, like to Myrtle Beach and stuff. So like that's the mm-hmm. piece of hardware that I played like Metal Gear Solid Ghost Babel on and the Legend of Zelda Oracle games. Uh, uh, oh gosh, Pokemon Gold and Silver, uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Lots of really good portable stuff. 
Nice. Um, and uh, it's been forever since I've plugged in an NES, but I love my NES zapper. Uh, I just kind of keep oh, that. Yeah. I keep that on a shelf um, uh, uh, cl- close at hand out in the kind of common area of my house because the sound that the trigger makes on that, the the, the springy click, uh, is mm-hmm. one of the most satisfying sounds in hardware. Uh, it's a, it's a Th- wonderful that, feeling. That sound is like 10 times better than any Zapper game. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's comparing squares and rectangles because it's a sound to a game. Yes. Know? But just listening to that sound is more fun than a thousand Hogan's alleys. <laughs> like it's, it's yeah. so good. And like, I have a lot, I was thinking about that. Cause it's like, I, I love a zapper too, but like, I don't like any zapper games really. Mm-hmm. Like none of that stuff stood up. Oh, of course. Like even, even to me becoming a teen, mm-hmm. you know, not let alone like to as an adult, but the sound is really, really special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, basically like any kind of old Nintendo stuff as a, is a big, uh, is a big thing for me. Uh, but those ones in in, uh, in particular, uh, the dorkier the thing, the better. I hated the uh, the NES advantage to use, but I love how it looks. Oh yeah. Oh gosh. The... I wish. Yeah. I, mm. I wish I still had my super scope. That thing was great as well because what a what a absolutely unwieldy, <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> peripheral. <laughs> I was more of a fan of the Konami activator. Or, sure. Or no, Enforcer. Whatever their big, goofy uh, bl- blue revolver was that you played lethal yeah. enforcers with. <laughs> well, that, that would, I think uh, like you, that made sense because you, you might use a handgun. Yeah. To do the things there. Yeah. <laughs> not you the... might not use a shoulder-mounted rocket-propelled grenade launcher. <laughs> to shoot Yoshi <laughs> or help Yoshi. I forget. <laughs> yeah. You do both. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I love that that the that six pack of games. I I played a lot of Super Scope uh, as a kid. I would love to get a Super Scope and do it for a live episode mm-hmm. if those ever come back. Oh yeah. Um, uh, Tom asks, uh, "Hey gentlemen, want to get your thoughts on how much or how you feel about how much video game time is too much when it comes to younger generations of players? When I was growing up, it was always a battle between my parents and me as far as wanting to play and then wanting me to put down the controller and play outside with my friends." Now with kids of my own, I'm much more conscious of balancing my young children's electronics time with outdoor and social play. Looking back, I do think I had an unhealthy addiction to virtual worlds that inhibited my social skills a bit, not to mention my mental health, meaning I'd rather play video games than play sports and exercise. And I make sure uh, now to encourage my kids to engage in outdoor play and socializing with friends over staring at a television screen playing video games. I'm obviously going to evolve this over time as the kids get older, but wondering what your thoughts uh, and experiences are on this balance. So... I want to preface this. I am unqualified to tell anybody what they should do with their kid. Uh, also, I, uh, oh, good. put an asterisk in that real quick. Okay. I meant to bring this up before I read Tom's question. Do you want to go into a parenting advice podcast with me? Yes. Let's go do it. Uh, we should probably do that right, right away. Like we, we do a lot of things on the network and like, I think that we're probably pretty qualified. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we should call it. You can't sue us. Yeah. You can't <laughs> sue us. I, th- this barren ball sack creates nothing. Uh, not even piss comes out of it. Yeah. This, you can't sue us. This, this recuse would not see other people if you could ever help it. <laughs> the, um, uh, so. There hasn't been a fertile womb. Uh, <laughs> anyway, please continue. I, I'm not being fun of Tom. No. Yes. Yeah. No. Also, I, I grew up at a different time. 
um, I didn't have games specifically designed as a service connected to the internet that were simultaneously designed to keep you addicted to it. You know, people in lab coats moving slide rules to price the next upgrade or whatever, whatever happens with uh, uh, Roblox or what have you, Um, uh, you know, and like, like when i was a kid the majority of socializing didn't happen online so it's hard to say like what else a kid would be getting out of their screen time that you know i didn't get uh you know when i was doing the things that formed the experiences that would form the basis for my advice on this question generally with any of this kind of stuff it's like if you're asking the question that means you're aware and you probably have a good sense you kind of you kind of know before you know and you're just kind of putting it into words so like is it at least you're thinking about it yeah you know so like is there too much like uh maybe maybe not but like maybe that's a a chance to try and put in something new you know together time or to learn a little bit more about what they're getting out of it so you can help make help them make better decisions about it you know yeah yeah i i you you said something in there that was going to echo something I was going to say, which is like right now. So the instinct and conventional, my instinct and conventional wisdom is that like, you know, screen time, bad, Mm -hmm. non-screen time, good. And then I think about like my own, my own life uh, and things, how that's changed where like now I genuinely do legitimate and valuable socializing. Yes. Online. And I use online as a outlet for creative works and such. Mm-hmm. So I think with like kids, if you're, if you're growing up with like this world is significantly more online. Mm-hmm. I try to avoid an instinctual, like reactionary yeah. uh, kind, of, kind of response to it where it's like, Oh, of course, because it was good in the past for kids to not be online, it is therefore good now, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so, but again, at the same time, like there's, 4chan and bullshit Mm -hmm. so it's you know uh better you than me (laughs) you know i'm I'm glad i'm not doing it because like like i don't i don't want to answer these questions really and then my own childhood was such a weird fucking nightmare that you know my experience in terms of my parents like caring or not caring about me playing video games and such isn't Mm. you know relatable (laughs) Uh, right yeah so but you know, in terms of like kid stuff, I just like, well, is it, is it, is it, I think it's worth questioning the assumption. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, like if, if I were a kid, you know, encouraged in some of my, if I had access to, you know, the internet had access possibly to, uh, that kind of creative outlet as a kid and it was encouraged, like maybe I would have done, you know, maybe that would have been really good for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Yeah. The, the example that is, you know, that, that I have witnessed in the you know, recent years, uh, not so much anymore because she's so busy doing, you know, school activity stuff. But my niece, you know, like she watched a lot of a lot of YouTube, spent a lot of time, you know, just in a room watching YouTube could have been a concern, mm-hmm. except what she was watching was like crafting videos and stuff and mm-hmm. learning how to make cool little things out of clay and learning how to draw like really crafty stuff. Right. And so, yeah. like, I, the the YouTube, yes, there was a lot of screen time there, but that was supplementing. So that's why it just kind of becomes, you know, like, use it as a basis for conversation and figure out if it's additive. Also, I played a lot of games, but, like, by the time I got into high school, a lot of that was, you know, playing Halo with my buddies coming over to my house, you know, in the basement. 
um, during the summer and stuff like that, doing land party kind of things. Dorky as hell. Yeah, but I was socializing multiple times per week with a large group of people. Um, yeah. You know, and that turned into poker and a bunch of stuff like that. Just like general hanging out time. You know, it yeah. was a it was a social life. So turn into craps. <laughs> turn into smack. Yep. The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, well, yeah. the, honestly, the, the the next step after after poker was was weed, and I was not yeah. uh, brave enough as a late high schooler to start doing a bunch of weed because it was a crime, yeah. and I cared about that then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To stop because you would have been fired from, you know, good boy. Yeah, I would have been fired for being a good. I, boy. I was I was scared of it too. I, uh-huh. I'm with you. Yeah. I also, but then like when I actually succumbed, I was like, this this sucks. This isn't doing anything. <laughs> it took high powered edibles and sleep. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure that my friends were not getting good weed. So, yeah. I mean, I don't even know what they were getting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's hear Tony writes. uh, What is your favorite random encounter uh, that you've had while traveling in D&D or other tabletop RPGs, um, either as a DM or PC? Uh, Recently, I did one where my players dug up a suspicious grave uh, that was on a path that they traversed the opposite way uh, only the day before only to find a small doll that the one PC remembered as uh, uh, being his as a child after a failed wisdom save uh, and refused to leave it behind. Obviously, the rest of the party assumes it is cursed, um, although nothing has happened yet. The doll will cast Spare the Dying on the PC the next time he goes into goes into death saves, vanish, and only he will completely forget about the doll. Uh, I got the, uh, the encounter from a Reddit thread and just slightly tweaked it, uh, but I love the idea of a cursed item that was a boon uh, because I knew it would cause paranoia in my NPCs. That is a cool little story. But, yeah, that's a great little story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't done, uh, played in games or ran games with random encounters in a really long time. Yeah. Uh, I know I, even using that as a more general term, not the you know term to art mm-hmm. random encounter, like even just having uh, little side things. Like we typically have played things that have been more focused yeah, uh, and less kind of, uh, like free range, you know, go check out that thing. Mm-hmm. I've always kind of wanted to run a game like that where you just fill a world with interesting shit. Yeah. And then let people uh, check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard because at least with my player group, that runs contrary to uh, you know their instincts. Yeah. They'll come across something. Generally, in my experience, it was a long time ago, but it was like, can you come across something that is relatively minor? The players fixate on it, and suddenly that's what the, um, that's what the session is about. Yeah. Yeah. You know. uh, and even if you... Uh, or you introduce a macro plot uh, thing that is urgent, mm-hmm. you know, that has a sense of urgency. It's, it's actually kind of interesting. The players are just acting in a way that makes sense. It's, it's the opposite of what happens in video games. Yeah. Um, because they're, it's like, you know, putting in fallout four terms is because it's such a funny example. Like their eyes are on the prize of finding Sean. Right. You know, and you can spend all of this time being like, well, what about this robot down over here? <laughs> uh, but it's like, no, you know, the premise of this game is this is the goal. Let's go do the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, our characters, there's a time limit. Lives are at stake. Our characters would do this. Yeah. You know? uh, but it just, it runs contrary to fiction and kind of uh, adventuresome side dalliances. Yeah. I don't have an example of this because uh, you just, uh, again, it was back in high school and I was doing D and D stuff. Yeah. I, I do have a bunch of old, uh, dragon and dungeon magazines. that have those wretched, like 
D100 random encounter tables <laughs> where you're just wandering around and then just like, well, well, because of this dice roll, now mm-hmm. there are two owl bears. Fuck. Yeah, boy. Like, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and probably around that time, it was 2E or 3E. Probably 2E yeah. for you, so combat would have taken forever. <laughs> yeah, it's like, here's the night. Because you know, yeah. I just uh, I, I don't necessarily miss random encounters, even though Tony's story was very cool. Mm-hmm. That is a very cool magic item. Yeah, let's do one more game question. Yeah, let's just switch on over. Uh, Glucios, Glucios uh, says, uh, "What is a great part of an otherwise bad game you played, and why do you feel like that worked?" Great part of an otherwise bad game. Yeah. Huh. Um. Uh, I mean, the, the 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 perennial example would be something like a not f- a game that is not very fun, but has a really good soundtrack. Uh, so like Paradise Killer, the music in sure. that bops for me. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great part of a, a game that I don't otherwise like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then you always want to I want to or I always want to avoid, you know, just going to a bunch of standard examples like, oh, like, you know, the dialogue in Torment's great, but the combat's bad. And right. That's more right. Of the opposite. Like, mm-hmm. You know, it's more the one bad part. So yeah, the the music in Paradise Killer. I mean, the music in uh, Donkey Kong. Oh yeah, uh, the, those games. That's something that I don't like that game, mm-hmm. uh, but I think the music is great. Yeah, undeniable. I think by by volume, that's what you're going to get the most of. Um, is uh, is the good music in a in a bad or unfun game? Yeah, and like also, tons of games look cool. But aren't mm-hmm. super fun to play. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, like now the examples are. I'm thinking about it in those terms. Like, I don't know, iconoclasts mm-hmm. look great, but I didn't like that video game. Yeah, um, is charming as hell looking. <laughs> Gree, uh, or Gris, or you know, whatever that is, uh, yeah. looks amazing, but boring as paint to play. Like, yeah, I got, I got the metaphor like right away. Like, okay, it's about grief. Cool, and it was just <laughs> three hours of not of nothing. Very frustrating. Yeah. 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 So yeah, there's actually tons of these. Yes. <laughs> why I mean, we're both tired. We're yes. Uh, <laughs> um, oh my yeah. gosh. Uh move on to some life questions. Yeah, let's do. This'll be me. Abe says segue. <laughs> What's that? Look at this accidental segue. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah uh abass uh do you guys ever get to take time off vacationing or otherwise uh might just be my poor memory speaking but i can't remember the last time either of you mentioned being able to step away from work for anything more than a weekend getaway uh no sometimes well no yeah we do every <laughs> once in a while we do uh, yeah. it, it's not very frequent yes uh weekends are you know i, I try to do that yes you know uh, but other than a weekend, not a whole lot. Yeah. Um, the last vacation that I took was when I went with my family to, uh, the Virginia coast back in 2016. Uh, everything since and around that has been staycation style. I'm just going to unplug for, you know, five days kind of, yeah. you know, kind of stuff. Uh, the thing is I really don't like going places uh, or doing things. yeah there you go yeah yeah Uh, i like going places and doing things but uh we get you know again it's just been weekends Mm -hmm. because it's a it's a pain uh no time off goes unpunished Mm -hmm. this sort of job and most of that time off when we've done those kind of like flexes and stuff i've had to use to fucking move yeah uh which is miserable 
Uh, so it's time that should be vacationing, but actually it's the most stressful fucking thing it is. Yeah, yeah. Be. It's it's worse than working. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's actually yeah, it's it's horrible. Yeah. So uh, no, thanks for asking. <laughs> um, <laughs> hopefully this will this this will change as we like grow and get support and stuff. So there there've been like movements mm-hmm. towards it. Yeah. You know, I'm just trying to to get some time off. We mm-hmm. usually we end up having some time off around the holidays. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I kind of incidental, mm-hmm. incidental like week and a half or so. Yeah. You, I, I always the, the week between uh, Christmas and yeah. new year's, I try and keep clear. Uh, usually like it, only one day on like Thanksgiving week. Um, you know, if it's a big holiday, like July 4th, I try not to record, I put, you know, schedule recording on those. Um, so yeah, I try and make affordances there, but yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, Matt asks, uh, when was the last time you did something in real life that felt like a video game? There's a, uh, there's a new subway station being built next to my apartment. And so I've had to live with the knowledge that there's this big secret cave under my feet. So one night I finally snuck in. (laughs) 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 Okay. Is the statute of limitations up there, Matt? (laughs) I just, I don't know why my, my voice went into this storytelling. <laughs> so one night I finally snuck in. It was in the, the night on the weekend. So I knew uh, no one would be working, but I still tiptoed around, stopped, listened for potential footsteps, peered around corners, etc. And running down empty subway tunnels reminded me of Fallout 3 or Metro. I didn't find any cool treasure or a boss of any kind, but I did see a raccoon that was chilling down here. He didn't drop any loot, unfortunately. I'm kidding. He's fine. No, thank you. That raccoon was the boss. <laughs> um, yeah, and the, uh, the 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 boss encounter was just letting him be a little guy. Yeah. And he won. Yeah. I uh, I recently uh, inherited a farm from my dead grandfather's ghost and managed mm-hmm. it for a couple of years. Nice. It was like a video game. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I I don't know when the last. I, I understand exactly what Matt means, but I'm having a hard time thinking of an example. Yeah. The, the the most uncanny the feeling I think that Matt is, Matt is talking about, even though this is such small ball small ball version of it, mm-hmm. uh, is I very frequently will walk by an area, like just a little bit of industrial patch, and yeah. be like, "Oh, the pit fighters should fight here." From Genesis <laughs> is pit fighter. From the pit fighters, yeah, yeah, the, <laughs> like oh, like somebody could engage in some Mortal Combat in this industrial space. <laughs> You know, and kind of frame it in my in my vision. It looks exactly yeah you know, like a shitty FMV fighting this, game. The, the, this would be a good arena. Yeah, yeah. The the thing I've done yeah. that feels most like this is very akin to Matt's example, um, which is mm-hmm. it was like before a band or choir meeting or whatever. My, uh, my middle school was this really old building. It was built in like the late eighteen hundreds or something like that, um, and. Um, uh, getting into, uh, like <laughs> climbing up this one weird, uh, ladder that was in the men's locker room that went up into like crawl spaces in between the, like in between the walls, basically the steam tunnel, uh, kind of things. Uh, if you went up and if you went down, I got to actual ass like sub basements and stuff. So it was oh. like early morning. Nobody was around, you know, we got there at like five and the bus was going to leave at six and even the teacher wasn't there. So it was like, Hey, well, you know, let's, let's take turns um you know you know two people going in while one person keeps watch just in case we get trouble for doing this but like doing urbex inside of i should probably get tested for asbestos exposure at some point at some point yeah 
<laughs> it's also like it's it's so funny that like Urbex is you know a video game esque experience, mm-hmm. but it's such a it's such a specific part of it. You yeah. know, like you end up incidentally doing Urbex a lot yeah. in video games, while it is not uh, about that. Mm-hmm. You know, in in a general sense. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's kind of weird because that's where my my mind went to as well. Yeah, I, I go um, I go walking in the woods. You know, a couple times a week. Got lots of nice wood tra- woods trails around here, and uh, that always feels a little bit video gamey to me. Like when you hear something rustling off to the side, uh, and you mm-hmm. think, okay, I'm you just and you, you you stop, hold still, and you try and see what it is. Usually, it's a snake or a toad or something like that, maybe a squirrel yeah. or something. But it's like, is this the encounter? Is this where the bear yeah. gets me? <laughs> Is this the yeah, untimely end of Pokemon? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cole. Yeah. But then like Pokemon was made specifically out of that experience of walking through grass in the wilderness and stuff. So it's one of those things. That's the other thing too, yeah. is like going to give, you know, walking in the woods to yeah. video games. Yes. <laughs> as an experience, you know, <laughs> like video games are about so many things. It's like, yeah. You yeah. know, right now playing podcasters life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, which they have not made, but there's that streamer's life. Oh so. yeah. Yeah. There's YouTubers life. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. YouTubers life. Yep. Uh, uh, media questions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Roberto asks, or is this me or you? Um, go ahead. Uh, what is the thing in a book, album, game, or movie that had scared you the most? I assume before age and exposure desensitize you to such responses. Uh, what medium and what themes or vibes are your favorite or most reliable ways to explore horror and get something out of it besides that's cool? Yeah. So something in yeah, a book, huh. book album, like what was the skit? What was the most afraid I've been? Uh, I mean, like the, like the most viscerally I was afraid was that time I was replaying Silent Hill 2 walking through the woods and I heard a sound coming from within my room that sounded like the chainsaw. Uh, turned out mm. uh, it was the cell phone that I just got uh, vibrating on my nightstand. So I'm, oh, I'm, walk- I'm walking and then from like, you know, like three feet, like not coming from the TV, I hear. Rrr, rrr. That's and, great. Yeah. Yeah. But that wasn't yeah, the, that wasn't the game itself. <laughs> no, it's, I, I think it counts. Yeah. I don't. Uh, I. Yeah. I, I don't know uh, what would be most. You know, I'm 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 easy to scare in in a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get spooked if, if a game uh, has spook-em-ups. Yeah. The, the ex- uh, example I always used, uh, which I don't know if it would hold up because I haven't gone back to it, is a Half-Life 1 mod called Afraid of Monsters, mm-hmm. uh, which I found too scary to play Okay, at the time. And not just for like exhaustion reasons. Like I can't do a Five Nights game yeah. for yeah. a long period of time, but that's just fatigue. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's too scary to play but in the other way. Yeah. And and then in terms of like albums or books or anything, like I don't really get scared by books. Yeah. Uh the written word will not frighten me. Mm-hmm. Um and al- an albums never frightened me. Um movies I get very unnerved by specific imagery mm-hmm. more than I do specific concepts. So like uh after I saw The Strangers for a lo- for a long time when I looked out my window that you couldn't see outside of because it was dark, I could just imagine yeah. somebody standing there forever. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and that scared the crap out of me. But it wasn't yeah. so much the movie just being scary; it was that image I took home and then posed it on. My yeah, room. yeah. Like recently, uh, Hereditary made me very afraid of dark doorways and like dark, yeah. you know, dark corners in a room. You oh, know? yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not like I, a, I've never really like dealt with you fear of the dark, whatever that is, nyctophobia or whatever. Yeah. 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 Well, it, it's not the dark. It's what's in the dark. Yes. If you can imagine, <laughs> you know, Tony Collette just vibing. <laughs> yeah, just vibing. Just vibing in the corner. Oh, like on the floor? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well. <laughs> um uh, in like a like book this is this is really i'm generally not afraid of books either i like horror literature just for quality of ideas uh but like house of leaves when i first read it really fucked me up uh just because Mm -hmm. it was a very claustrophobic uh and conceptual kind of thing and it was my first exposure to a lot of that kind of like space and disorientation horror yeah 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 uh what does Holland have to say? Holland has to say, uh, the dark gods of adaptation decay charge you with a seven Mary three situation. Uh, other people would call this a, uh, a, a, a fuck Mary injure. How, how, how do we sure. prefer to say that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, tie each of these directors, uh, to a game franchise, uh, or movie adaptation. Okay. So three directors Our three directors are Rob zombie, Quentin Tarantino, and Tommy Wiseau. Uh, tie them to deus ex baldur's gate and dishonored oh rough stuff uh yeah i don't know that that's hard um (laughs) this uh, those three examples seem specifically aimed to be a to be a a dagger in your heart because of the the presence of i mean deus ex baldur's gate and dishonored i think you have the the games are certainly i don't i don't have any particular animus towards any of these directors though right other than like tommy Wiseau being like you know being a fun hack but i think tommy uh Wiseau would be funniest uh in a dishonored okay uh i want i want to have you know just jindosh and uh and pietro and and all these characters with that kind of awkwardness uh and him trying to do the action you know of him sneaking you know in and out between curtains and shit uh and then uh my quentin tarantino deus ex i'll take okay yeah give me that dialogue you know because it's a very dialogue based game Mm -hmm. uh and just it'd be insufferable in a different way mm-hmm. and then rob zombie baldur's gate uh because i don't know why not i don't know why not okay <laughs> i think <laughs> rob zombie like, baldur's gate might actually be pretty good because he, he seems like the dork who would have affection for forgotten realms kind of stuff he might take it 100 percent seriously just with more gore yes you know and that would be that's a good way to do it mm-hmm. i think yeah um yeah yeah and definitely a better pick than either of the other character you know yeah directors uh um, i th- i think quentin tarantino would be a better match with dishonored because of the violence uh like okay. the violence i think that he could do like really shitty people really well um mm-hmm. you know uh just uh your 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 ladies uh well, what's the name of the lady at the party kind of deal uh, uh lady boyle you lady boyle yeah um you know i I just i I think that he you know uh, dishonored in the style of an inglorious bastard so it'd be pretty fun um and uh tommy Wiseau and and deus ex is way too good for me uh uh, (laughs) having him i understand (laughs) why 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 you might think so but i'm telling you that dialogue is too good yeah okay i think tink tink (laughs) you know i speed of my drink it's 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 a hat on a hat uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Any, anyway, I, I just I think that uh, the the other two matches are too good, and Tommy got to go somewhere. Tommy do have to go somewhere. That's the thing with Tommy. <laughs> Tommy do got to go. 
Coal Mine Canary, another media question. Uh, I find myself disliking characters people see as badass as time goes on. As far as I can tell, a badass is a horrible person that we like for some reason. Perhaps the best example of this is The Punisher. Is badass a virtue, or is it some weird glitch in our brain? Is it really that cool to not look at explosions or saying Bible verses while blowing things up? I'm hoping uh, those more media, media literate can help me understand what makes a badass different than a villain, because the line is too fine for me to see. Uh, I, 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 buy-in is the thing that makes the last two different. Yeah. Um, none of these people would be good in real life. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, the, the, the buy-in of the genre of something like The Punisher... And mm-hmm. I'm not like a hardcore punish hound, yeah. you know, but like the reason why you can look at like an anti-hero or any kind of anti-hero and be like, oh, this guy, this guy sucks. Mm-hmm. This guy, this guy wouldn't want to hang out with this guy. The guy fucking sucks. Yeah. That guy uh, is the context they put him in and the, the, the contrast mm-hmm. they put him in. It's just, it's part of the long, like this person's kind of sucks, but the, they are good at what they do and they're better than the alternative. Yeah. You know, I I think about, you know, my favorite example of somebody who, you know, might be called a badass, um, you know, in, in a way, the entire show is a deconstruction of it is a uh, Walter White. Mike from, Trout. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm OK. Mike Ehrmantraut, um is a badass. And yeah, that, that one's a little bit more complicated because I don't you know, like he, he doesn't really have like a like a fatal flaw other than, I guess, maybe like too much loyalty, possibly uh, a little bit, yeah. too, a little bit too trusting. Yeah, I think I don't know. He's great though. Oh yeah, <laughs> like yeah, like he's he's incredible. Like so, I, it's hard to, for me to think it's a a, a a virtue because there are in my head I can immediately summon examples where it's awful. Mm-hmm. You know? And then there's also there's Mike Herman Trout. Yeah, you know, like it, it's I don't want to filter down into subjectivity soup, but it it is a thing that I think really depends on execution. Yeah, you know, uh, or what you're looking for. So like, yes. uh, the, the Punisher stuff that I've read that I liked that mm-hmm. I thought was pretty fun, like the Rick Remender run and parts of the Garth Ennis run. Um, you're not there because you want to hang out with the Punisher. Yeah. Like he's, he is a, he is a shit. You're there because you want to see like the same reason you watch, um, like a grindhouse movie. Yeah. You know, you, you want to see inventive kills and pulp situations. Mm-hmm. You know that that move by quickly, and uh, it's like it's like a grindhouse thing. Yeah, you know it's it's a it's a genre thing. Yeah, so it's it's like why I would watch the Saw movies for the for the kills, right? Oh, those get creative Mm -hmm. at the very least. It's creative, but not the characters. Like you're not watching it because you're like, oh, you know, this is this is this is a good person. (laughs) Right? This is people are good. It's like no, everyone there is flawed. It's not about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think about another badass, uh, John Wick, right? Just yeah. hyper hyper competent, taciturn, or whatever. I'm watching those movies for the action, right? Like yeah. it, it just depends on what and, you're what you're looking world. for. Well, of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, you're not, you know, John Wick, and John Wick is relatively noble, mm-hmm. you know, on, on this scale. But yeah. uh, the other reason that you can watch, uh, you might want to watch a badass uh, in a thing. Um, so if you're not looking at the character, like I, I didn't mean to steamroll over your point. I just thought no, something. Yeah with that like you're right about john wick like you're watching that for cool kills and world building yeah um but you think about something you get to sometimes you get to watch these people change mm-hmm. uh and that can be real fun yeah um you can watch something like fury road 
Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, where Max, who is not, you know, I understand he's not the hero of that movie, don't at me. Mm-hmm. Um, but he uh, is a badass. He's Mad Max. He's not the biggest badass again, don't at me. Uh, <laughs> but he uh, he changes throughout the movie. It is about him taking some of those villain qualities mm-hmm. uh, that you're talking about and losing some of them. Yeah. You know, uh, kind of getting over some of that shit. Yeah. Uh, and to go back to the Breaking Bad point, like, yes, to a certain degree, there is satisfaction in watching um, Walt, grow, you know, for, for lack of a better word, don't, don't mean this to be sexist, but grow a pair, you know, stand, yeah. to, to learn to stand up for himself. But like, by the time you saying I am the one who knocks, like watching that in the context of the series, like that is the most impotent thing at his most impotent time. <laughs> like, uh, it is, it is really, you know, just, just like what, what is interesting is the difference between his opinion of himself and his actual circumstances and how little control that he has surrounded by these people who are so much better at what he does or what he pretends that he is, you know, Gus being the better Kingpin, um, uh, Mike kind of being the better operator. Right. Yeah, yeah. It it that's why like Walter's part in that is deconstructing a badass. Like, yes. at no point is Walter Wright ever really a badass. Like, no. he thinks he's a badass, mm-hmm. and sometimes, and a lot of times, other people think he's a badass. But mm-hmm. we get to see how insecure, yes, uh, you know, and and fragile all that is. Yeah, uh, I think it, it's just your maybe some of them you're not supposed to necessarily like as mm-hmm. well. You know, like they're not a hero. All these cases, sometimes it's just a, a character construction. Yeah, to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's my best take off the cuff. Same. No. Uh, Luke says you've both talked sugar recently about the Venom movies, uh, so I was wondering if either of you have seen the movie Upgrade. Uh, it released just before the first Venom movie. Same director as Invisible Man. Very good Venom-like action and gags. No, I have not seen Upgrade. Uh, wait, did 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 did, did Lee Wannell, Did he direct the the first the the first uh, Venom? I don't. Know. I don't know who directed Venom. I just watched Venom. <laughs> so it's not for me. Listen, I got. I'm on a see Venom diet. Okay, I, I see Venom. I eat Venom. It, it's not. I'm not here to know a bunch of names. Okay. Um. Yeah. Uh, oh no, no. Sorry, he directed the the Invisible Man. I just the, the reason I recognize that name because he uh, he uh, wrote saw he wrote he wrote the original Saw and he was the guy who played opposite Carrie uh, Carrie Always in the uh, the oh. bathroom. Oh, sorry. Huh. I just, uh, I recognize that. I have not seen Upgrade. I do not know anything about Upgrade. I too have not seen Upgrade. I get it confused with Limitless. Oh, yep. Limitless. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, I don't know the difference in my head. Yeah. Uh, I wish I did. <laughs> uh, thank you for the recommendation. If it comes from uh, Venom stock, I know it's good. Yeah. Um, Venom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tendellis asks you talked a lot about games journalism and professional critics but what about Steam user reviews do you leave reviews do you look at them if so how much do they factor in your decision to buy a game how do they uh, how do you feel they affect the industry Uh, I'm sorry I miscategorized this this is a bonus game question oh uh, (laughs) yeah about uh, yeah I guess you're right yeah Um, the uh, I look at them from time to time Mm mm-hmm if I'm, if I'm considering purchasing, uh, I don't leave them. Uh, I don't put tons of stock into them. Yeah. Uh, like any kind of publicly accessible review forum, you're going to get a lot of chaff in there in terms of like jokes, and mm-hmm. sarcasm. 
Uh, and then you're going to get a lot of laughable nonsense. Like this isn't very good. 60 hours on record, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so it, I, it, big grain of salt. Yeah. Uh, kind of how I think of them. Yeah. Um, I like the way steam handles the like overall reviews and recent reviews. I think that's a, a good indication. Uh, it's probably a little bit lazy of me to like, I don't know, use that as an indication of if a game would be worth paying attention to as I'm looking for stuff like say to stream. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, generally it has served me pretty well. Weirdly enough. Um, one thing that makes me, (laughs) that makes me real, uh, uh, that, that is really useful about them is time played. Uh, so if a game is not on, um, how long to beat, if it's too small or if it's too recent or something like that, uh, kind of looking to see what the, um, what the median, uh, playtime is on reviews helps me figure stuff out. Uh, again, if I'm about to stream or whatever. Uh, so I like that they put that, uh, I like that they put that detail on whenever people leave a review, uh, not just for the, you know, laughably funny. I played this game for a thousand hours and they changed this one thing. Now it's a thumbs down. I do not leave them just because I'm, you know, you know I, I already have a place to do that, which is my platform. Um, also, yeah, I am, yeah, I, I'm also very persnickety about um, generating a bunch of data for somebody else, which is why I don't have like a, uh, a letterboxed account, right? As fun as it would be to kind of keep a database of that. Uh, I'm not going to give that to a company. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I don't know about like, I, I give thought a lot about the letterbox kind of thing and this medium, you know, doing the podcast, having our jobs as a place to stick reviews and stick thoughts about things is very useful to me. I don't know yeah. what I'd feel like without it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my suspicion is that I do not have the urge to write a review yeah. you know, outside of something like transient, like Twitter. Like, I don't think I need there to be a permanent yeah. uh, record of most of my, my thoughts about things. I mean, letterboxed, nothing would beat the Joker review where that guy says, oh, this happened to my buddy, Eric. Yeah, it's very, I mean, using it for comedy seems great. Oh yeah, because that's very good. <laughs> my buddy Eric. Very good. Oh. Man, I uh, can I uh, tell you a joke that I can't get out of my head that you I may. just saw in a place. And uh, apologies to everybody. I've been rewatching uh, or been watching the new Kids in the Hall. Okay, uh, it's very good. Mm-hmm. They haven't missed a beat. It's what is really that refreshing on? here and come back? Um, um, what, what, what service is that on? That is on Amazon. Amazon, okay. Um, there's a part where a character is giving birth, uh, and their husband's with them, and their husband <laughs> leans down and goes, "All right, honey, now don't embarrass me with this." <laughs> and I can't get it out of my head <laughs> how funny that is. <laughs> so don't embarrass me, <laughs> dude. That is so funny. Uh, that is fucking killing me. That is really like, good. <laughs> it's like part of like a real absolutely like banger, you know, sketch in general. Mm-hmm. But like that part is like, okay, don't embarrass me. <laughs> it's so funny. Focus up. Really Eyes good. on the ball. <laughs> <laughs> don't fumble. <laughs> don't don't let this I don't want this to reflect poorly. Uh very good. Yeah. Uh, um, I need to watch those. Um I it's, have... uh, it's very good. Uh, I've, 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 I've seen it, but your recommendation is good enough anyway. Uh, but I've also seen other people raving about it. Uh, and it's wild that they could continue to be as good as they were because they were really good. Yeah. This guy should never have to work another day in their life. Oh yeah. Like, you know, geniuses. (laughs) Um, (laughs) let's see here. This'll be, do we want to do, uh, do we want to do show questions or move on to lightning round? 
uh, let's do just a couple just so we do the different uh, categories. Yeah. Let's do one or two. Yeah. Um, Evan says, <laughs> uh, after 10 years, I can now say that WAF was definitely a significant part of my childhood. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I recently went back to the first few episodes of the show to see how much you have changed, only to be uh, five minutes into the Mega Man X episode uh, and hear the question, do you think Malcolm X would have been more successful if he had the same power Sigma has? (laughs) (laughs) Never change, boys. Uh, Anyway, my question is, uh, have you guys ever looked back on your past works and either cringed or learned from them? I just assume that they're going to be embarrassing. So I try, I try to do it very little. Uh, I don't, I don't necessarily think it would be embarrassing, but I don't look back on them because who has the time? Yes. Yeah. Uh, there's too much stuff and I just don't, uh, yeah, there's other stuff mm-hmm. I'd rather do. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there are things that would be embarrassing that I regret. Uh, not that very funny Malcolm X line. <laughs> uh, I, okay, uh, down with that. But I'm sure that there are like you know there are jokes I wouldn't make. Yeah. Now, yeah. like you know, uh, Sonic Three sketch is pretty mean to people who want to have sex with Sonic, which is still something I don't get. Mm-hmm. But it's also pretty over the top mean. Yeah, uh, in a way that I don't care as much about it anymore. Like there's lots of yeah. stuff like that where you know Pro- probably some change very early on some loose comments about um, uh, people on the autism spectrum. Uh, that uh, yeah. I regret and sincerely apologize for uh, and yeah. n- never would make that today, you know, but and probably a couple jokes about furries as well. Yeah. If I had to guess. And that's something that like, I still don't, you know, get, but I have no hate in my heart. Like, yeah. The, the, I, the, the thing I'd be most embarrassed about is uh, what, like why young me, did you feel like you had to have a feeling about this? Mm hmm. You know, like this doesn't matter to you. It's okay. Like yeah. you shouldn't, you don't need to muster up this, this animus <laughs> towards this thing that doesn't really affect you that much. Yeah. Like there, like I promise you there, there are things, even petty bullshit, like it can still be petty bullshit. There's better petty bullshit for you to be annoyed about, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not yeah. trying to tell you young Gary that you only can be annoyed about things that matter. Just better things that don't matter. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. it just uh, did. There, there are lots of things where it's like you don't have to have an opinion. It's none of your business. Go, genie. You're free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, that would probably be the big things. Yeah. Yeah. I would look back on. Yeah. Thinking, know. thinking back. But, uh, like, good. Yeah. Or no, I was just going to say, I guarantee there are also just like a thousand things I'm not thinking of. Just like, oh, I was cranky that day. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to, you know, throw myself on a pile of pitchforks about it. Yeah. But there are just things that, like, I'm sure that. I wouldn't feel great about, mm-hmm. and that's just going to have to be okay. Yeah. Cause it's, because it's there, you know, nature of being a person. Yeah. You know, but mm-hmm. the, the other side of this is like, I don't know. I'm pretty, if I, if I can turn this into like a brag thing, times when lines or bits have been brought up from early time for, from early episodes, I'm really happy that we, we started with such a good rapport, you know, making goops mm-hmm. like that. Like that's a, that's a really good joke about Sigma. <laughs> If I can say that, I'm pretty sure. I, I don't know which one of us said that, but it's like, oh, that was a, that was like the first time that we spoke with each other, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So, like, I think that's pretty cool. Like, I'm 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 happy about that. Uh, so, to make this not just about the misery of the of our past selves, uh, to to lean into there. I don't know. I just thought that yeah, joke the, was really the, funny. <laughs> the the nice thing is that like it doesn't. Uh, 
I, I like the way that I approach this and you approach this similarly, I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, not being prescriptive and saying it's the only way, but I personally like being generally happy with those jokes, but never thinking about them or revisiting them. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like somebody can bring them up and, and be like, Hey, here's this funny thing. And I'm like, Oh, great. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I'm happy about that, but then I have to move on because dwelling on it feels gross. Yeah. You know? So, uh, just rest assured that, you know, looking back on those things are things I'd be embarrassed about and things I would feel bad about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but don't, you know, and I feel generally good that I think that we have made good jokes mm-hmm. for the the entire time and good points, but not that good. <laughs> right, know? right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not about to throw myself a parade around it. Yeah. In either, so. in either case, you know, either feeling good or feeling bad, it doesn't really come up just because we're always thinking about the next thing. Yeah. 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 Uh, which is the secret. Mm-hmm. When you're when you're not working, when you're not uh, thinking about, you know, work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Or yeah, when you are thinking, just thinking about work. Yes. Um. Yeah. Uh, lightning round. Let's do lightning round. Uh, let's yeah. see. So Bryn writes. Uh, hi, Colin Gary. When you cover games that have co-op like Divinity, Souls, etc., uh, do you ever co-op with each other? No. No. Uh, we play games at different times, mm-hmm. so scheduling and scheduling it would be a pain. It would, uh, and we talk uh, most days a week. We do a lot. <laughs> yeah, uh, it would be very difficult not to want to turn into content. Uh, it would be very difficult not to go into show rapport. Mm-hmm. We'd feel weird about repeating things we said on stream. Yes, or on uh, co-op mm-hmm. later in the show. Yeah. We're using, uh, we're using bits that we came up with. It would take away the, the spontaneity. Also, you know, like, yes, we play at different times. I tend to play games in the morning. You tend to play at night. Uh, but uh, we're in different time zones as well. You know, that three-hour yes. difference accounts for a lot. Like, the time we record is, like, the the one time of day where both of us are, like, you know, have in common where we would be, like, active and ready to be, you know, doing work. Right? Yeah. 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 So, uh, no, nope. uh, Greg, uh, asks a quick question for each of you. Cool. Which game do you think has the more powerful plot twist Bioshock or KOTOR? Uh, Gary, which animal creature, fic- creature, animal or creature fictional or not, would you like to blend with a beholder to make it even more perfect? Uh, so for me, KOTOR, uh, just because there's more time for it to marinate. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a bigger, broader story. Uh, it is a bigger context shift by the time you get to that particular reveal. Uh, and I would, mer- to make it even more perfect, because, like, cat beholder sounds good to me mm-hmm. uh, as somebody who likes petting cats. Okay. Um, but if I'm trying to shore up the weaknesses that a beholder has to make it, you know, more powerful mm-hmm. and everything, I might do something like... Um, I don't know, Tarask. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Unstoppable. Yeah, like, yeah, 70 story beholder <laughs> that's immortal. <laughs> it'd be a galaxy level threat. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it'd be more perfect. Can I pitch you something know, to the, you? The yeah. Beholder, but instead of little eyes on the end of the stalks, it's, it's other beholders. Okay. Like a beholder fractal. Yes. And then you keep going mm-hmm. with those. Xeno's uh, beholder. Yep. I think that's the, maybe the name of the uh, the gangster beholder uh, in 
um, <laughs> in, in one of those sets. Oh God. Um, yeah, no, I, I'd be down for that. It'd definitely make it beholder like scarier. I thought you were going to say instead of eyes at the end, they're just like dicks or something like no, that. No, no, no. I, I went conceptual. Yeah, it less it. perfect to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went conceptual with it. I didn't go gutter. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good on you. Uh, Matthew writes, what were your favorite gaming magazines growing up? Uh, and what do you miss about video game uh, printed media today? Oh, boy. EGM. EGM was great. Yeah. EGM's really, really good. Uh, great uh, computer electronic video game magazine. Mm-hmm. Something like that. I, I, uh, yeah. uh, and then I also, there was a computer games magazine that might have just been called computer games mm-hmm. that I uh, had that I loved. I like flipped through every issue to death, even though I did not have a computer. Mm-hmm. So that is how I raised like Willie Beamish and Elvira games. And it came from the desert awareness, uh, as a kid without ever actually having access to them. Yeah. Love those things. Oh, t- tips and tricks magazine was really good. Um, because it was, uh, you know, if you were too, if, if, if you did not have the money to get a bunch of new video games, getting tips and tricks for like little, like partial miniature walkthroughs of games, uh, mm. was a great way to just kind of like experience like what these games were about by proxy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of what uh, I miss about video game, you know, printing today, uh, every once in a while, so I'll go to a Barnes and Noble mm-hmm. from time to time because they have a big robust magazine section and I always flip through the video game section. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are a couple, uh, imports like there's edge magazine and there's retro magazine from Europe and those are great. They're doing good work now. Uh, but the new video game magazines, if I pick up like a computer game magazine, uh, it in the, the feel is entirely different. Mm-hmm. There is not any kind of like uh magazines have always been basically just ads. Yeah. They feel more like ads now than yeah. they did when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um part of that just increased advertising content like in them. Mm-hmm. And part of it is just the way the layouts have changed. So instead of like a dorky hand drawn map <laughs> of a, a contra level, you know, that is still a kind of an ad for Contra, but has this kind of homegrown, you know, yeah. homemade feel to it. Uh, that is what I would, yeah, I miss that. Mm-hmm. Um, I miss like the, uh, the, the, the relative distance and depth. The fact that it came out once a month meant that what was in there, you know, like, yeah, they had to beat a deadline to get it in, but also it wasn't like timed right away with the release of it. Sometimes there was, you know, uh, distance to it, which is neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I as as much as like the practices around them were probably pretty shitty. Uh, previews were pretty fun in magazines in a way that previews mm-hmm. online are not. Yeah, yeah. It was the only way to get some of that stuff. Yeah, you know, it's what I get the the way that I fulfill that same function now is significantly less fun, which is just waiting for after an event like after yeah. Nintendo Direct, mm-hmm. going to whatever video game website. It doesn't matter which one. I don't care because the mm-hmm. editorial voice for this doesn't matter. Uh, and then just flipping through a list of everything that was announced. Yeah. You know, uh, it's just, it's a powerfully unfun version of the same experience. Mm-hmm. Also the event of it, like I would, you know, just wait with bated breath for one of those things to come in. And then that would be my afternoon when I got home from school was sitting yeah. down and, you know, you know, tearing into it. So putting a magazine in a book bag and like going somewhere. Oh go yeah. To a park. Mm-hmm. Read it or calling in sick, and then your mom <laughs> comes back from a grocery store with a video game magazine. Oh shit! Yeah, like yeah, Oof. 
<laughs> I think I just miss being a child. <laughs> okay, Hank. <laughs> um, Nathan uh, asks, uh, what is something popular to dislike, but you enjoy? Oh, uh, dad rock. Re- okay. That's, that's a good, uh, a good answer. What, what do you consider to be dad rock? Wilco. Okay. So like modern dads, not our dads. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, pure rock. <laughs> People are age rock is what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was, like, you know, like, like some of the stuff was, you know, like Wilco is the ear example, but like, you know, Billy Bragg, stuff like that. Um, you know, it was, it was considered relatively staid and outdated, uh, even around the time it was coming out. Like when sky blue mm. sky came out, people were like, what the fuck is this lame shit? Um, and mm. I was like, no, this is, this actually owns, um, and it was, it's been nice to see that album get reconsidered, uh, since it, uh, since it came out, but yeah, just, uh, you know, stuff that people would consider dad rock. Uh, cause like our dads would be, uh, you know, that's just classic rock. And I would say like, oh, Neil Young's really good. And that's just yeah. tr- true because that has been shown, you know, he's just, he's just good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's popular or dislike yeah. that stuff either. Even though, like, it, it depends on the, the, you know, the crowd saying it. True. The, um, yeah, the, uh, because of my, my peer group, mm-hmm. my initial instinct was to say, uh, the MCU. Okay. Uh, which is both popular and popular to dislike. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that in gen pop, like it's, you know, they're, I'm not trying to make it into a victim thing. Like it's, you know, they're the Goliath. Uh, but in my Twitter circles and among my friends, there's a lot of like, oh, you're a baby who likes having keys jingled in front of your face. Mm. Uh, no one's saying that to me, but I see a lot of stuff to that effect in yeah. kind of my periphery. So it ends up having the same feeling, even if it's not actually accurate yeah. to real life. So, no, I can see that. No, yeah. uh, it's, it's the closest thing that I can think of. Yeah. Um, yeah. Eric writes, what's a game that you tried really hard to like, but you couldn't get into? I uh, was reminded of this through Slack conversation recently. Uh, Monster Hunter. Oh, yeah. I, I bought both every new Monster Hunter that comes out. People say it's the most accessible one yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bought two of the ones that were the most accessible ones yet. Uh, and both times was really heavily put off. Yeah. That would have to be the your example. I, can, I, can, I can't think of a better one than that. No, I tried. I really did. <laughs> because uh, I tried because you people wouldn't stop talking about it. <laughs> the, the, uh, I mean, like, there are a lot of games I try like pretty hard. Like anything we do for the show, I try. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, even if I don't end up liking it. You know, um, L asks: Is there a song that makes you want to die when it comes on? For me, it is Life is a Highway. Made the mistake of telling my annoying friend that, and now he plays it whenever he feels like being extra assy. <laughs> yeah, this is dangerous. Uh, this is dangerous information to give out, uh, because yeah. specifically because of that friend, uh, you know, that instinct that your friend has that exists in lots of people. <laughs> uh, there's so many mm-hmm. songs like this. I've said, you know, but I also get like a perverse joy out of it. I think it's funny. <laughs> Uh, bad, you know, bad music. So like, uh, the way I mate 
which is a uh, the Rednecks, kind of like guys follow up. That is like a way harder song to listen to. So, somebody somehow, <laughs> somebody on on Patreon. I forget who it was, but there was a, pl- a reply to this, and somebody just said Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, if you think Cotton Eye Joe is bad, wait till you hear the way I mate. <laughs> you you got to hear the way I mate. Uh, that's it's really really rough. Um, but if it comes on, like I still smile because it's so, <laughs> you know, so bad. Yeah. Uh, for me, it would have to be something that people like genuinely enjoy. So nobody's liking it ironically. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, uh, what's going on by four non blondes. I find that song really horrible. Yeah. Like just really, really hard to listen to. <laughs> um, yeah. Huh. So, uh, th- there's any number of like, just like really bad pop country from the late nineties, uh, or you know, early two mm. thousands that, uh, that gets under my fucking skin quite a bit. I love you. Period. Do you love me? Question mark. Do you remember that song? No, I don't. Yeah. That, that was a, a big one. Well, yeah. Uh, no, no, I'm thinking of like, save a horse, ride a cowboy. Uh, the, the, the one, sure. the one that I think is fucking vile. Uh, is uh, How Do You Like Me Now by Toby Keith. Oh, sure. Yeah, which yeah. is just about like, oh, you didn't like me in high school. Well, I'm a superstar, and you had, you didn't add up to nothing, huh, lady? I, I like you the exact same amount as I did before. <laughs> yeah, which is yeah. like, it's it's, ki- it's kind of this, it's a little bit the same sentiment as uh, as like a Rolling Stone, you know, to a certain mm-hmm. degree, but also at least that is a, good song musically <laughs> yeah the, 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 and this is a wretched song musically yeah i uh i hadn't really thought about how much it affected me but last time what a, a very frequent thing for me in the band is making fun of you know songs we think are bad mm-hmm. uh and how annoying uh old time rock and roll is <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it's so bad <laughs> it's so uh so bob seeker whatever it's so funny that he's like don't take me to a disco. Nobody's <laughs> like, fucking gonna take you to a disco, my man. Yeah, he you won't would... even get me out on the floor. Jack, you'd ruin the vibe. <laughs> Stop like, it. Listen, your mission: get Bob Seger to a disco and get him out on the floor. The plan? Agent forty-seven. That is Bob Seger. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's Bob Seger. Uh, I could be wrong about that. He's like, mm, yes, I'll get him out on the floor. I can be quite persuasive. Uh, I just love it. I'm just the most declarative statement in the world. Don't take me to a disco. I wasn't thinking about it. Unprompted. <laughs> I mean, good, good. Thanks for the heads up, I guess. <laughs> it's a media is a media's weakness. It's like his vampire, like Dracula weakness. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> van, van richten's guide to seekers uh jake asks could uh could, guys could i please get an update on buffo the clown i'm desperate for info uh any knowledge that i i have about this is probably not great uh he retired mm-hmm. i'm still part of the facebook group for friends of buffo the clown yeah and i get alerts where it's somebody being like hey is buffo still okay and the page doesn't respond yes <laughs> uh, it's like it's it, it's it's a no news is not necessarily good news situation yeah yeah the uh the the, the the most recent update i have i have no idea if this person even knows but uh somebody asked in uh late april uh like hey what's what, what's up with them he says buffo is retired and enjoying it so yeah i can only well, we, as- we can only hope that's true yes 
Tyler asks, what is your favorite King of the Hill episode? Sorry if this has been asked before. I don't think it has. I don't know uh, if it has been asked before, but I've got an answer. Yeah. What's your favorite? The Exterminator from season five. I like Dale centric episodes because Dale's my favorite character on the show. Uh, it's the mm-hmm. one. It's the one where he can't uh, uh, be an exterminator exterminator anymore uh, because he's inhaled too much poison. So he has to get an office job, uh, and then they they find out that because he's such an asshole, he has no problem firing people. So they make him head of mm. HR. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I just I, I think it's really funny watching Dale Gribble try and uh, work an office job. Uh, also, Lisa Kudrow uh, plays his boss in that, and she's really good. Uh, you know, nice. I, I can't fire him. We, we were married briefly in the eighties. Really? <laughs> um, nice. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. Uh, it's been a long time since I've done King of the Hill watch. I'm not as familiar with it as you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, the episode where, um, Joseph kind of learns about his provenance. Oh. I remember being like unusually touching and good. Oh, the, the, the just uh, uh, where he where Dale makes him think that he's the son of an alien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, yeah, the uh, the John Redcord, you know, plot coming home to roost mm-hmm. with uh, with Joseph. I remember that being like really good. Yeah, uh, need to watch that show again. It's really uh, good. I really loved it, and it, I'm sure it stands up. It's a banger out the gate. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> uh let's see tom writes uh which game character would have the best podcast who do you think would have the worst youtube show uh the answer to both is jc denton <laughs> so, just, um, yeah you know. yeah i don't have a better answer than that <laughs> yeah jonathan e uh says imagine gary disappears and shows up on cole's doorstep reincarnated as a toddler i'd prefer not uh, cool. How do you raise youngling Gary? Gary, same question. Swapped for Cole. <laughs> this uh, shouldn't be a lightning the, round question. This yeah. should be a topic. <laughs> this is. The, <laughs> the, 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 I mean, if, do I know it's Gary? Like, has Gary disappeared? And here's a little, little bearded baby on my front door. I mean, the the only answer is the best I can. <laughs> yeah, it'd be it'd be difficult being a single father of your podcast partner. Yep. Uh, <laughs> is he still in there? <laughs> yeah, you still have to keep doing the shows. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, how is the Patreon affected? Like, I, there's, there's too many questions. Lots of variables. Uh, yeah, this is very complicated. Uh, yeah, as best I can. Or I think that I would probably find some childless couple. Oh, yeah. You know, that was like looking for a young podcaster. Yeah. It's, I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, like a childless couple who is not afraid of disappointment. <laughs> yeah. Like that, like that family that adopted Juno's horrible baby. Yeah. From the film Juno. Well, no, it was, just, it was just the mom because the dad was a, was a piece of shit. It was, it was just uh, a yeah. Jennifer Garner who, who adopted the baby. I forgot. Yeah. Jason Bateman was creep. He yeah. was a jerk. I only saw that movie once and did not like it. Yeah. That, that no. I just, I remember that detail because I remember how, how, um, um, yeah, just bad he was. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I give you to Jennifer Garner. Uh, okay, that's fine. And she has resources. Uh, Isaac yeah. writes, did you know that the Red Hot Chili Peppers original name was Tony Flo and the Miraculously Majestic Masters of Mayhem? Let me throw that into Google real quick and make sure it's true before I react. <laughs> um, oh, 
Uh, it does pop up with ready. To... Oh. Yep. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, so that seems to be true. Uh, <laughs> J- Jamie, fans. Jamie, can getting, you look that up? Getting zero Pinocchios on this one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I so I didn't know that to answer your question directly. I wish that they were called that because that band would be less likely to succeed. Yeah, I. Um, even though if they did succeed, it'd be so much worse. True. You know, <laughs> like, Hey, do you want to go see Tony flow and the miraculous majestic, right? Yeah. Majestic masters of mayhem down at the gorge. And it would just be like, yeah, woof. Uh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Woof. Woof. Uh, That's really bad. Jack says, uh, what is your favorite turn of phrase from a bygone era? Anything, anything, a prospect, any non-racist thing a prospector would say when he's frustrated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cole Sarnet. Yeah. Con Sarnet would be a big one. Uh, uh, oh gosh. Uh, uh, oh gosh. R- raspberries. Uh, basically raspberries. like whenever, whenever the Simpsons go into like riffing on old time language, uh, would be, would be one of those things. You know, no, no grifting Bart raspberries. It's, it's often yeah. Bart. It's often Bart. So I yeah. says to Mabel, I says, yeah, no, those, those are, those are all good. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I have, uh, any, anyone better than that. No. I recently, I, I was like, uh, looked at some kind of Twitter thing that had this Kurt Vonnegut quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I assume it's old timey cause it's a Kurt Vonnegut quote. Yeah. Uh, but he was talking about writing rhyming poetry and he's like, you have to make it rhyme. No fair tennis without a net. Oh yeah. And I've been thinking about no fair tennis without a net mm. a lot lately. Yeah, that's pretty so, good. I like I like that as a uh, that gets down to like an aphorism level though. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, they're outmoded words that I enjoy. Not to not to crib too hard from Zen in the Air to motor, Motorcycle Maintenance here, but the word gumption I think is really useful. You know, mm. for mm. like combination uh, resourcefulness and resilience. Mm. Yeah, yeah, grit, grit. Yeah, when grit won't do, when grit won't do, when you want it to be just a little bit more dorky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Ryan says, Gary, do you say any who outside of podcasts? Cole, do you know anyone else who says any who? Uh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do. Uh, I probably do. I, I just don't fixate on it, fixate on it as much as you do. I think maybe, Mm question asker no uh any who is most often deployed at the uh, as a as a non sequitur uh after you say something to which there is no response you know it's like bulb, mm-hmm. I, you know xyz abc any who and then segue to something else that is yeah. usually the uh the, the the way it is deployed in modern modern diction yeah it's like uh whatever or uh eh. <laughs> moving on yeah you know, yeah it's it's very it's very useful yes anyhow it also works <laughs> anyhow um we've got the we've got a topic yeah any anyhow we got a topic uh is this uh i'll read it okay here uh william asks i ask us to be about revisiting and replaying games uh if a game gets some kind of dlc after you played it like monster train how likely are you to go back to it what makes you want to are there any times you go back to a game you haven't finished but enjoyed? If I'm jumping back into something like I did with DOS 2 over the two years it took me to complete that game, I like to rework my character into something different than what I was playing before. Uh, we're going to expand that to kind of uh, replaying games yeah. in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, broadly, the answer is it's a mood thing. 
um, okay. to it to to a huge you know to a huge degree if it is not dictated for work. Um, you know, jumping in, I am much more likely to uh, replay something that I have played before if I really enjoyed it and it is there for comfort. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, uh, so see Stardew Valley. Um, and I think that I will, you know, a new piece of content coming out for it is not necessarily enough to make that happen, though I will put off um, a replay if I know that there is big content coming down. Right. So like when I knew Stardew Valley 1.5 was coming out um, or it was out on PC and I was waiting for it on Switch, I had a real bad Jones to play the game, but I put it off for a while uh, for when that content update came out. And then mm-hmm. after it came out, I waited until I had that feeling again to where I really needed, a, you know, something to fill that Stardew Valley shaped hole in my in my life, um, which is often, you know, we often call that whole depression. Um <laughs> <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, and then I uh, jumped back in with full full force and vigor. Yeah, yeah, I uh, no same. Like it, you know, when I have to, uh, I also do the fill the depression hole. Yeah, version of this uh, for sure. Um, when it, if in terms of like the operative version of this, that's non depression based Mm -hmm. uh you know that is like dlc based or new content coming down the pike or something we're going to do for the show um same as you you know i will just kind of put it off and because there's a chance i'll end up redoing it or there's a chance that i want to do it a better way Mm -hmm. you know i I want to come out um in terms of depression though i think that's a a more complicated like there's a little bit more to that Mm -hmm. um and one of the one of the reasons why I was wanted to do this topic is is because I've been thinking a lot about um, how anxiety and depression. Uh, we've talked about this before. It's just been coming up a lot for me recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, can make the active the easiest thing in the world, which is consuming mm-hmm. something, uh, make that act insurmountable. Yeah. So you, it's almost like like I will replay a game, and it's almost like blending up my food that has already been chewed <laughs> you know like it's like i have to yeah. i had to make it even easier uh, yeah because you, know, you know what's coming you know the contours of this yeah yes like it's not only uh so if if the most and this is this is depression talking i don't actually think this way this is my negative thought spiral that can can happen when this happens mm-hmm. is uh the highest virtuous thing i could do is like create something new or, or work on something Mm-hmm. new and cool the next thing would be something like edifying mm-hmm. you know uh, if i'm not gonna draw a picture or or write a thing uh or work on a new project i'm like reading something useful you know something nonfiction. then it's like reading some trash you know watching something useful watching some trash and at the very bottom it feels like it's redoing a thing that i've already done that i know exactly what will happen yeah it feels like such a gross compromise mm-hmm uh, to me, and again, I don't stand by this. It's just what my, yeah, this is an unhealthy thought. Yeah. I need to interrupt, but it just ends up feeling like such a gross compromise to me. Uh, yeah. I mean, th- 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 I don't have a conclusion for that. Mm-hmm. It just, it's the last thing on a high, on a hierarchy that I end up landing at it at a fault and provides a lot of, uh, complicated feelings. It does. Right. Because there's nothing that is a better solve in the moment, especially if you've already been sleeping too much, you know, it's like, yeah. okay, well, I could take a Benadryl and sleep more, but 
I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> always an option. It's always an option, you know. Uh, but uh, you know, in, in the absence of something else, like okay, don't want to watch a new show. Putting on Bob's Burgers or King of the Hill again, uh, like that will f- fill in the background, but there is still the active thought cycle that needs to, you know, be be occupied. You know, like mm-hmm. that, like that, that process, that loop needs to be hijacked, or else it starts drilling in a bad direction. You know, yes. so it, it needs to, you know, I, I need to harness that energy lest it, <laughs> lest my mind uh, use it to turn inward and destroy itself. Right. And so that's where those cycles go to, you know, uh, like, okay, I'm going to sit down and play House Flipper. Uh, <laughs> do, are there, are there small repairs that I need, that I need to make around my own house? Yeah. Yeah, there are. Uh, but it is better to do them in this explicitly engineered loop where I kind of know what the missions are. Nothing about this is difficult, but it is performing small tasks and making small decision decisions that is, you know, perfect for capturing, capturing those cycles um, and hijacking it and putting it to better use. Right. Nothing, nothing is difficult and nothing is surprising. Yes. You know, and that, that's a, that's a valuable thing. Yeah. Like the sound this sounds like a classic duck feed like depression confession corner. Uh-huh. Like depression confession corner, which is you know half of our content. But like the uh I don't I one of the things I've been thinking about it with is it's like I, I it is an unhealthy attitude that disparages this. Yeah. Uh it is I am being too hard on myself. Mm-hmm. Um it is sometimes there is value in a thing that is a series of small decisions with zero surprises. Yes. Um, and it's, you know, so you, you've been replaying house flipper. I've been replaying uh, thief simulator and I started replaying, um, divinity original sin one. Okay. Uh, Cause I never played the enhanced edition of it. So it's kind of new content, but also I just wanted to fuck around in that combat engine. Yeah. You know, for a while and it had been a minute. Uh, and it is so when you're we're talking about interrupting the process of your brain drilling in the bad direction, mm-hmm. that is a surprisingly uh difficult throttle to feather, right? Yeah. Like uh so we you know, echoing basically what you're saying is it's not enough just to be easy. Mm-hmm. It, ha- it has to be, uh, and it's a very specific thing I'm going for. Mm-hmm. So when I think to myself, you know, my internal critic is like, you aren't doing anything with mm-hmm. this. Like you're not enriching your mind. You're not contributing to your body of knowledge. You're not contributing to your, uh, critical acumen mm-hmm. by, you know, by doing this, like this is not good for yeah. you. This is not filling uh, up any meters. It's medicinal. Yeah. It, what it's doing is it's stopping a meteor meter from bottoming out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's maintenance. Yeah. You know, and that, <laughs> and the, you know, that, that can even be true if it's like, all right, well, there are games where you're not really going to be seeing new content, right? But still the act of playing them, you know, people make their, you know, just like that, that, that's, that's all they do. I'm thinking of games like, you know, I'm not really a civilization guy, but people talk about getting lost in playing a game of Civ. You know, think about any mm-hmm. other city builder or, uh, you know, uh, like Factorio or Satisfactory, right? Other games that I have gotten lost in were like, yeah, technically, like, y- you know, I-, I-, I am I am engaging with this, even though I have played many, many hours of this before. Um, but because I feel like I, I, 
got this before, it it still does not feel additive. Like I I got the value out of this. I have talked about this. I've made it into content, but also like nothing is surprising me about this uh, because I kind of know the scope of things that the game is going to throw at me. Right. So it's not mm-hmm. just about narrative things. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's that comfortable <clears throat> bounding box you can settle down into. Yeah. Uh, the positive framing for this that'll happen sometimes is that I will be driven to replay a game just by being reminded of a single cool thing about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you do this a lot, but I'll restart a game a lot and then mm-hmm. not continue with it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll just be like, you know, we did death loop and I was like, man, dishonored. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I reinstalled dishonored one and played the first couple levels. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, I, yeah. I, I renewed the license in my head for dishonored being good. <laughs> I've renewed the copyright, yeah. you know, and now I can like kind of refresh myself and move on mm-hmm. with my life. I don't need to, I played that game like four or five times now. I don't need to do it. Yeah. Actually do it from start, yeah. start front. But you get the taste of it, right? You get, you get the, you yeah. get the sample. It's kind of like watching a watching a trailer for a movie that you've already seen that you know is good, but you don't want to put the time in, you know, to watch the entire thing, right? Just like, or just like clips of it. Yeah. You know, YouTube will, will be like, hey, do you want to watch this like really awesome scene from The Will Be Blood? And I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't necessarily want to spend three hours watching it right the second. Yeah. No, that's yeah. a good way to do it. Um, yeah. yeah. And also sometimes it's just been long enough um, to where... Like, yeah, I, I, I feel like I will get something new out of this. I feel like I will, mm-hmm. um, you know, benefit from it in some way. Uh, so there's there, there, there there's also that, you know. Long enough or dense enough. Like, I, you know, I restarted. I did a second playthrough of Elden Ring immediately after finishing the first one and found tons of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, just straight up new content that I hadn't seen. Yeah. So there's sometimes, like, a work will actually justify this multiple sweeping mm-hmm. passes yeah over it yeah uh to go back to the negative framing about that i you know something kind of clicked with me which is like there are times when uh you are uh oh gosh what's that discredited idea idea of like willpower being exalted phrenology yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're thinking about phrenology and are going to bring this into phrenology and i've been waiting for you to do it because i yeah. have a similar idea okay okay cool um good. <laughs> precisely you know me too well <laughs> no. um uh it's, it's like executive uh, 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 executive exhaustion or decision fatigue or something like that uh yeah th- th- there are times you know in a lot of people's lives when they they, they, they don't have uh they, they just don't have it in them right mm-hmm. uh and like in those times it's really fair uh for them to say like no no nobody asked too much of me right now you know mm-hmm. if you're if you're with a partner like hey you know i just don't ask a lot of me right now because i need to i need to recharge there's something else it's it's really fair to do that with yourself like saying you know to say like i can't ask a lot of myself right now and then that can that can go right that can go back into like hey maybe you know don't uh don't give don't give yourself too much of a hard time if you got to go back to something comforting in order to uh you know in, 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 in yep. order to, you know, to refill that meter. Right. 100%. And then and so I, I think that that, 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 that counts, you know, that same grace that you would extend to somebody else. You can extend to yourself when it comes to, you know, not necessarily adding to your catalog by playing something new or challenging. I really want that to be a thing that is not just, you know, a self-acceptance thing, but something that is built into like a societal expectation. Cause yeah. it's incredibly important. Mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, to be there. It's, it's what it is for me is it's me expending or extending something I used to, I always call like airport rules. Oh yeah. To just other times, you know, in my life, like if you're in an airport, that's really unpleasant. Generally, like flying is not super pleasant. Mm -hmm. If I'm in an airport, I get what I want. Mm -hmm. So like, if at this moment, you know, a bag of combos will make me a little bit happier, I get yeah. a bag of combos. Yep. You know, no arguing with it. Uh, I'm not saying just do whatever you want all the time, <laughs> but recognizing when you're in your, like when the airport comes to you, <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm in an emotional airport right now. Uh -huh. uh, the only thing, you know, the exact thing that I want that might scratch this itch a little bit is laying down in bed and watching uh, let's play of a game I've played six times. Yeah. You know, just to get some comfortable music and rhythm and images. Mm -hmm. uh, airport rules. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. You're in an airport. My house is an airport now. I can eat this bag yeah. of peanut M&Ms. <laughs> yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. Like it, it just, uh, there's a, there's a lot of like the duck feed. I feel like the psychological health prong of our yeah. endeavor I, I, uh, that, that revolves entirely around like self-acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty, I I'm pretty comfortable with that. Like if it's going to mm -hmm. revolve around something, you know, I'd rather have the do as you feel festival than the do as we say festival, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, so to speak. But, uh, it's amazing how often something like this, like I, I kind of came into this topic and was thinking about this topic. Like I had a lot of new things to say about it other than be nice to yourself mm -hmm. and it's going to be okay. <laughs> But that's really what it all always comes down to. <laughs> Pretty much. You know, <laughs> like you just, yeah, don't be so hard on yourself. Like it'll be all right. You know, if this makes it like life is short and hard. And if you can grab pleasure in this, like, and you're not hurting anybody, <laughs> you know, do it. Hey, Gary. Hey, Gary. Yeah. It's not your fault. Yeah. It's not your fault, man. It's not your fault. It's don't not worry. Your fault. Yeah. Use sunscreen. <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah, no fair tennis without a net. Uh, the yeah, it's a, a. I don't know. We kind of backed our way into a thing that we talk about all the time, but yeah. I think it's valuable because we're right. Yeah, yeah, and uh, also about yeah, it. Just, <laughs> we're, we're, we're right. And a new question doesn't miraculously make us new people. So, one yeah, that's the one hundred percent. Yeah. So, yeah, let yourself uh, replay shit. If that Do sounds it. good. It's fun. Permanent game. Or, uh, you know, we don't like eternal games very much. Like mm -hmm. They're games that we both have played over and over, but we don't go in for like a destiny or a wow or anything mm -hmm. or a final fantasy 14. That's okay. If that's what does it for you. Godspeed. Yeah. You go do it. Love and support. Be nice to yourself. <laughs> it's impunity. Yeah. Uh, want to read some, uh, responses to games. I do. Okay. Uh, I'll get us started uh, with the beginner's guide. Mild spoilers uh, on this one. Kind of mild spoilers about all of it with Max Payne 3 as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, Kilo says, mm -hmm. After playing the beginner's guide, I had an interesting discussion with a friend from university. Uh, we'd met in our very pretentious creative writing program and had a lot of fun challenging each other to uh, create meaningful art. If this sounds insufferable, I promise we were. One topic we had focused on is where art is. A professor once said, uh, quote, you haven't written a poem until someone reads it. Uh, and we took this to mean that art existed in the context uh, and interaction of audience and subject. This made the beginner's guide very fun to argue about. Uh, since its context changes so heavily on repeated plays and how Davy is trying to communicate his context and must inevitably fail at doing so. 
yeah that that's interesting mm-hmm. the uh yeah like and and i the uh i don't necessarily agree with what your professor said that's an right. interesting you know prompt for thinking about definitely yeah. related to the game mm-hmm. yeah which is you know yeah. like oh yeah you absolutely you absolutely can't make make stuff for yourself you know it's not publish or perish in real life right yeah yeah, if you don't, if you don't make a video game in real life, you die in real life. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But it's a, a but as, as an intellectual exercise, because it, it reminds me of the like something is art when you hang it up in a gallery. Mm-hmm. You know, you end up with like that 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 kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then yeah. and then it broadly gets into like how you define art, and no conversation makes me want to jump out a window faster. I like a ground floor window, not like you know hurt myself, but just get away from it as yeah, quickly as bricks. quickly as I can. Yeah, hit the bit the bricks. Yeah. Don't make me tap hit the, the poster. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. Sucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gordon uh, says, "Beginner's Guide does a fantastic job of giving you not so much food for thought." but more of a banquet. Something that got me thinking about which, uh, about which wasn't touched upon on the show was the value, uh, or otherwise of derivative works or altering a reproduction of existing pieces. This is something that seems intensely controversial in the artistic world. My local museum even has an exhibit where they display the angry letters they got when they purchased a Roy Lichtenstein, uh, painting reproducing a pulp comic book panel. I think that the spaces that the fictional Davy has created are a piece of art on their own right, even if he doesn't uh, think of them as such, and and even if Coda would violently disagree. Using Coda's work as a medium and altering it as he has, he has expressed himself and created profound emotional responses in his viewers. Surely this matches any reasonable definition of art. Maybe even criticism, often uh, presented, presenting... Uh, as his archenemy of the artist could be seen as an artistic expression responding to the original piece. I feel like I'm stepping wildly out of my lane as someone who has never really studied art, but is curious if you two had any opinions on the subject. Um, yeah, I, I think I consider criticism to be a form of art. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's an artfulness to it. And I think that uh, this kind of relates to that first question you know, the Davy of the game, like, yes, you can absolutely make art through altering somebody else's art. Yeah. Or putting it into Uh, a new context or superimposing your own, you know, uh, vision on top of it. Right. Like it is a, it is a a new, it it is a creation, right. You can argue about like how new it is and how original and worthwhile, blah, 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 but it is still an expression. Right. Yes. Uh, And here where, you know, where you talk about whether Davy thinks of it is, or if Coda thinks of it is, you think of it is, uh, it is one of those things where intent does kind of matter. Yeah. You know? Um, So like if I were to, you know, grab a copy of ready player one uh, and and just kind of like, you know, cross out the parts that suck the most, you know, and put it out depending on what I was doing with it, that would then frame that as art. If I was doing that as a critique or a project about ready player one, you know, great. If I was just saying, Hey, this is actually what ready player one is and presenting it as, you know, what's his head's work mm-hmm. or his client's work that feels less like art, even if the act is actually the same. Yeah. You know, like intent does matter with, with this, yeah. uh, to, you know, to Kilo's professor's point. Yeah. Um, you know, content, uh, uh, intent and context. Matter. Yeah. 
for it. I just really like the idea of your Thomas Jefferson Bible being taking an exacto knife to a copy of um to a copy of Ready Player One. Oh yeah. <laughs> if I knew how to code, it'd be Lords of the Fallen. But oh yeah. The uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh um, gosh. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So so the, I, that was a long winded and kind of fucked up way of saying like yes, but yeah. Uh, short answer yes with an if long answer no with a button yeah yeah, yeah. uh scott writes <laughs> scott writes i think it's idiotic to rag on game journalists uh, and argue that they're unqualified because some guy didn't know how to double jump and cuphead or whatever idiotic issues people have with them but with that said uh, and that probably many of them might be very decent, decent people. Uh, what is far more embarrassing and something that game journalists should be joked on about, uh, is how they handled the discussion of this game. When the beginner's guide came out, it was revealed that many professional writers understanding of criticism falls short of even a literature one one course. Articles raving about this crazy new thing they just discovered called Death of the Author. Uh, it was either that or the far more embarrassing question of whether or not this really happened. Uh, uh, it is burned into my memory, uh, the audio of Jim Stephanie Sterling, of all people, saying that while they don't think the events of the game were real, uh, they should be respectful of the opinions of people who thought it was. Uh, the release of this game was a truly mind-boggling moment for video game discourse. Yeah. Yeah. I, I luckily missed a lot of that. Same. Uh, I just found out about it in, you know, researching before the episode. Mm -hmm. I wasn't as plugged into it. So I, and I played the beginner's guide, like when it came out, you know, yeah. Stanley Parable fan, but I don't remember reading. I didn't, you know, I wasn't turned on to, to Jim Stephanie Sterling stuff at the time. Mm -hmm. Did not see a lot of the discourse around, uh, around this. Yeah. I mean, go, go listen to our episode uh, to hear our opinion about people who thought this was real. I, I think that, you know, at, at least enough time has passed where you can say, oh, yeah, that was really silly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> gobsmacking yeah. to me uh, than anybody was, you know, maybe to their face. If somebody said said that, I wouldn't clown on them the way that I did in the episode. But also, of course you wouldn't. Yeah, because you're, you're not a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, as far as like, uh, you know, death of the author, I would need to see like specific, specific citations to see if somebody was saying, oh, I just discovered that if they did, they should be more self-aware that they are showing their whole ass. Uh, but you know, by that, if like know enough just to say like, okay, I didn't know about this before, but I learned about this and this idea has been around for decades. Uh, I cannot say I just learned about this. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I feel, I don't know what Scott means here exactly, but I felt, I got the impression Scott wasn't being literal. Yeah. In yeah. that, um, you know, the, they're, they're talking about it as if it were new. Yeah. And okay. daring, not as if they, they had just discovered it. Mm -hmm. Um, and if that's the case, so one, one thing I think about, and this makes me more sympathetic to games journalists, even though I, it doesn't make me more likely to read a lot of their work. Mm -hmm. But something I think about is that, uh, the production model, and we talked about this before the production model though, for like game journalism is that it is a machine that constantly has to be making things. Yes. So no take is not worth writing about <laughs> because it's ephemeral and Kotaku or what have you has to put out some stuff. Yeah. So that's why you get all this, you know, I can't stop putting up posters and animal crossing and I love it <laughs> uh, as, as a, as a story that's on the front page of a website, print it, you know, 
yeah, print it like this, this I got to see. Uh, I hate it, but mm-hmm. I don't blame game journalists for it. Like yeah. they have to constantly be making stuff. They have to move on. Uh, they have to play. They don't get to play like these 70, 80 hour games. Like a lot of times before having to have a take yeah. on them just as their job. And, and what that's done is it's made me, uh, transfer my, you know, disdain I would have for game journalists just to the model. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically unplug. Yeah. Um, I don't read a lot of, uh, games journalism. I read some, there's some, some pieces of critique I like, and there, there are some video essayists I like quite a bit, but in general, like an actual, like a website that reviews games is always going to have this problem. I think, Yeah, you know, like that, the cuphead guy, I was thinking about that recently and it's just like, yeah, you just, you know, you put somebody in front of a demo machine and be like, Hey, play this thing. Uh, and then the person's like, yeah, I suck at this. Here's 10 minutes of me trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then just the entire world lost their mind and sent him death threats. Yeah. You know, and that was 10 minutes out of that dude's day that he did. He had to look at, you know, a hundred games and record little gameplay things and write up little pieces and stuff mm-hmm. at that, that show or whatever. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. And it became uh, part of everybody's, you know, index card on him going forward and his profession. Yeah. Like it still gets referenced in like YouTube algorithm will serve me up Elden Ring stuff nonstop. And because Elden Ring and Soulsborne has a, a portion of the fandom that is kind of gross, you know, which we talked about, uh, I'll see in comments, uh, and in videos that people upload, yeah. uh, just like, you know, don't add journalist mode to to Elden Ring. Jesus uh, Christ. and then it'll be some kind of rage, you know, click baby, <sighs> ragey, yeah. angry rant thing. And it's like, well, you know, fuck. <laughs> like, yeah, that it, it does. It is ridiculous. That guy was bad at, at Cuphead. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like it's ridiculous that people were kind of bad at comprehending the beginner's guide. But I, I more blame the, the job. Yeah. I think than the individual person, uh, but it also makes me not want to partake in the job. I don't feel like it's my duty then to still read and, and support. Yeah. You know, no. games journalism as a whole either. Cause it is, it doesn't always make a good product. Yeah. You know, the incentives aren't aligned, especially at big sites. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Garrett says when the beginner's guide first came out, I didn't have a computer of any sort. So I had to experience it vicariously through YouTube. Let's plays. I watched the playthrough, and in my dumb youth, I identified more with Davey than Coda really feeling the gut punch in the last level and feeling bad for Coda. I then didn't think about it for the last few years until I saw you guys cover it. I started listening to the episode and you guys gave me a major revelation when you started referring to Davy as kind of a scumbag, uh, at the least a needy pseudo critic in desperate need of validation and at worst a stalker harassing Coda. The stalker Davy slash female Coda interpretation was very interesting to me and recontextualized a lot of the interaction between them. So I looked on forums and started thinking about it further. Davy refers to Coda as a he a few times in the game and mentions that they met at a game gen event, presumably face to face. However, there's also a good amount of environmental evidence in Coda's games that could lead to the idea that Coda is a woman or views themselves as a woman. The uh, not box head lady in the cage and the various other feminine imagery throughout the games, especially towards the end. So I started thinking, what if Coda is transgender or non-binary and Davy is misgendering them through the whole game? It could be out of malice or ignorance, but either way, it could add another layer to the scumminess of Davy potentially stalking or harassing Coda. What do you guys think? Is that a valid uh, read or am I being a Davy and overanalyzing the themes that aren't there? Uh, sorry the response is so long. Feel free to edit it. Uh, love your work, my dudes. Thanks, yeah. Garrett. Yeah, thanks. Uh, 
I don't think that's off base as a, as a read. There's as much evidence there for it as lots of stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, am I, am I qualified to speak about where that would come from? I, I don't know. Uh, but I can, I can see how the pieces add up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, I think that's fair. I don't know. Who knows with intent. Yeah. You know, if that was, uh, but yeah, I think that it is, uh, intentionally ambiguous and a lot mm-hmm. of space for that. Yeah. Uh, and it's heartbreaking. It's, it's heartbreaking if that's the read, you know? Yeah. I don't, I, I, it's hard for me when I think of that read, it's hard for me to think of game Davy as intentionally yeah. misgendering because I don't think he's malicious, yeah. but doing it without thinking is very in character for that version of Davy. Oh yeah. Who is not considering Coda as a person. Right. And just not thinking of a person's wants or needs or desires is, you know, symptomatic and, and hand in hand with misgendering or not caring about their, yeah. Yeah. Their identity. Mm -hmm. Uh, They go together. Yeah. Um, from the, from the first part of the, of the response here, you know, like when I first played this, I definitely was more on Davy's side. I think that's the intention when you're coming to this, you know, when you're coming to this first, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because Davy is your point of view character, right? Even if something yeah. seems like a weird or bad decision or I wouldn't decide that, you you don't have the information uh to understand the kind of violence that Davy is doing. Um, you know, and then it is revealed and it and it is a gut punch. But like the feelings that Davy is having of, you know, not feeling like they're getting the validation and you know, being locked out from somebody that they think that they care about. You know, mm-hmm. um, they don't care enough to listen to them, but you know, just the, the, the this person that, <laughs> that they think has something that they need. That is, uh, I mean, I'm going to use this word. It's not laden with, with judgment it is pathetic in that it evokes pathos. Right. I, yeah. you know, I really was, you know, I felt bad for Davey when you got to the point, when you get to the, when you get to the gut punch. You know, I think that if I played it for the first time now, I I don't know. That's a counterfactual. Would I would I still feel that uh, that 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 sympathy for it? But definitely knowing what's coming, it is very hard to extend and really any amount of grace to the the version of Davy that we see. Even if if he is a villain and kind of a scumbag, he's not a two dimensional scumbag, which means that you know, like all good villains, he thinks he's doing the right thing. Yeah. You know, so you feeling sympathy for him on any level is definitely designed. Mm-hmm. It's it's the idea is he's not supposed to be immediately, you know, not pass the sniff test as irreconcilable. Yeah. You know, as an asshole. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, what does Paul say? Uh, moving on to teardown, uh, Paul says, you mentioned it very briefly in the episode, but I just wanted to emphasize how truly transformative um, mods trans. trans- can you read that again? <laughs> how truly transmorphative mods can be yeah. in teardown. Do those words have substantially different meanings? That's a guppy thing. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, for, for being one of the least listened to shows on the network, it has a big effect on our audience. What, what guppy does is it creates very strong fans. Yeah. There are not very many of them but they're really intense. So stuff like this can bleed into anything. It really does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. can't believe I so, fell into the trap. Uh, yeah. At some point you're going to have to listen to all fucking 800 episodes of that show or whatever. I guess. Just to do your job. How pathetic is that? <laughs> <laughs> I really should have started a long time ago, but at this point, the Omerta is funnier. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, so Paul continues uh, talking about teardown mods. Uh, for example, unmodded fire propagation is intentionally limited for both gameplay and performance reasons. But if you just want to watch the world burn, you can download the uh, the lighter and no fire limit mods and uh, have yourself a pyromania simulator. Does this break the game from a game balance and performance perspective? Absolutely. Is it awesome? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned the floating island nature of the unmodded physics a few times. Another entirely intentional aspect of the puzzle box nature of the game, but what if you want buildings to crumple into piles of rubble realistically in quotes instead the progressive destruction mod brings actual structural integrity into play with buildings collapsing once they are no longer supported in ways that make sense uh, this absolutely destroys both any meaningful game balance and your computer as even my monster rig can be brought to its knees by knocking away the wrong brick I love it. Meteor strikes, model cities, fully destructible office buildings, lightsabers, a gun that fires pianos, a one-to-one -one recreation of the Titanic. The list goes on, and it is incredible. Teardown is a great game unmodded, and if mods didn't exist, it would still be a huge recommendation for me, but it is a truly phenomenal game with mods included. Nice. All of that sounds amazing. I... Yeah. I, I just I was so enamored with the base game that I never even saw the need to mod it. Uh, but I should probably reconsider that notion. So be a, be a real fun like stream idea. Yes, it would. Yeah, throw some mods on there. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And I love uh, I love how easy Steam makes mods. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that uh, I will explore around with that as well. It'll be fun uh, after I put some time into part two. Yeah. Um, yeah. Moving on to Max Payne three responses eric says uh here's the most offensive phrase one human being can say to another do you want to connect to the rockstar social club what did you say to me i'll fucking kill you <laughs> fucking said that Assholes. Uh, anyway max Payne three too many dudes too many little interruptions good shooting still pretty fun not gonna act like it violated the spirit of the series or anything but the doofy bombast of this game really fits the dumb name like max Payne." more than the self-serious noir stylings of the first two. They should make a Max Payne 4, put him on a rocket to stop human trafficking on Mars. I was a turd floating through the Milky Way, and even in the cold vacuum of space, shit stinks. I mean, human traffic on, traffic on Mars is a real serious business. The Draco Reptilian Alliance uh, has uh, been abducting people in the secret space program, um, yeah. you know, along with spider leadership for either subterranean or surface bases. It depends on who you ask. Um, and they're keeping med beds from us. So I'd prefer that you didn't joke med about med. that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, uh, being asked to connect to the rockstar social club sucks. Uh, -huh. uh, I am really amazed kind of as gamer Americans that we allowed all of that. Uh, it's gone out of fashion now, but there, there's just a period where if you want to play anything, you had to mm -hmm. connect to the, the blobby bloop slurpy dorp. Yeah. I get onion, uh, on, onion points. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> always fucking sucked so bad. Uh, it's like the, the line from the, uh, my first exposure to that kind of shit was, uh, seeing the Xbox 360 dashboard mm -hmm. as the first console of that generation I got. Yeah. And just how it's exploding with Doritos and Super Bowl ads and wanting me to like connect to my friends for achievement sharing and stuff. No. Uh, absolutely grotesque. I, I go on to any video game thing. And the first thing I do is try to make my privacy settings show up so no one knows if I'm playing a video game. Yeah. 
because uh, I, I just have no interest in it. I just leave me alone. No, please do. <laughs> like, yeah. Woof. It's not social. Make me invisible. <laughs> Let me just play games, please. For the love of God. Um, I, I would agree. Uh, I think more series should go the dino crisis route, uh, where the third entry, where the third entry is just mysteriously unconnected from everything else. And suddenly they're in space and it is the far future. Hellraiser did it. (laughs) Friday the 13th did it. Mm -hmm. You know, like Hellraiser made a lament configuration space station. (laughs) And that was catch up games. And that was, that was in the first half of the series. So yeah. Yeah. Catch the fuck up. <laughs> if so if, Max Payne 2 is going to be in the first half of the series. Oh, man. Uh, let's see here. Charlotte writes, when COVID first started, there wasn't anything to be happy about. Uh, but I found comfort knowing that I could at least clear out some of my huge backlog. This didn't happen, though, at least not at first. No, for the first few months of quarantine, I decided to spend my time playing and replaying Max Payne 3. Uh, man, we didn't even talk about the pandemic with replaying. Huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. The rel- the relentlessly bleak story was weirdly comforting to me. The way a sad album or movie can sometimes act as a warm blanket during the worst times. Watching Max pick himself up again and again, no matter how spectacularly fucked up things had gotten, uh, was honestly inspiring and helped me get through a time when nothing seemed like it would ever be okay again. It's no surprise that the game I played next, Disco Elysium, uh, would speak to me in a similar fashion. These drunken cops displayed so much more humanity than I was accustomed to seeing in a game, um, carrying on when all seemed or was lost. I'm probably over overanalyzing the themes here, uh, but that's what I took away from it. And that's why Max Payne three will always have a spot in my heart. Also, just to leave off on a more upbeat note, James McCaffrey's noir one-liners here are so good. All this unfinished business, and all I could think about was my unfinished scotch. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The um, It's funny how, like, uh, perseverance as a theme in, in a game, like, really kind of depends on where the player is at. Yeah. Where that works. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk about, uh, it's a huge thing with Dark Souls and FromSoft things that people will talk about getting. Yeah. from those games and depending on where i'm at in my life i will feel that or not feel it mm-hmm. uh, and the game doesn't necessarily change yeah you know it, it's just whether i am in the mood to be you know i want to overcome an obstacle perseverance is what i need to feel better mm-hmm. about this and to, to get my good feels versus what i need is to succeed yeah you know and and be kind of ratified in in being good at a thing Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. as opposed to bouncing off it several times. Yeah. I think a lot of the um, appeal for of Undertale for a lot of folks, uh, that's a game that I like more than you, uh, was the theme of determination, you know? Yeah. Very explicitly being baked into it. Yeah. It's also a thing where it a question of whether you need to write it in or not. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like the, the, uh, Charlotte got this from Max Payne, even though it's not part of the text mm-hmm. really at all. And, uh, Undertale makes it part of the text. Um, but the different, you're both, it's just hard games where you fail a lot Yeah, and you just have to start, start over a lot. It's just one of them says like, keep at it, mm-hmm. you know, and one of them doesn't. Yeah. It's less where people talk about how failure in that game, they got the sense that the game was encouraging them. Yeah. You know, a lot. 
but they're just difficult games where you die a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's not making fun of you or anything no. like that, but there, there's kind of a sliding scale of what a developer can do to try to make determination, um, an intended part of like the package. Yeah. Supported in the yeah. text. Yeah. And there are also folks that just kind of like, we'll see that, mm-hmm. you know, they're very receptive to that theme, which is nothing wrong with that. Nope. Uh, final Max Payne response. Uh, Paul here says, uh, as a Max Payneyac, uh, Max Payne maniac. <laughs> when I heard that the third entry was going to be uh, on an unrelated guidance story, shoehorned into an adaptation of the movie Elite Squad, I was ready to be disappointed. But somehow, everything I thought would be dumb worked for me. For starters, Max Payne 3 is the most kinesthetically satisfying third-person shooter I've ever played, even if a little birdie tells me that a certain pair of bearded Midwestern podcasters lack the moral fiber to properly appreciate it. I can't argue uh, that other than to point uh, increasingly hard at footage of the docks and airport shootouts over the health soundtrack, health in all caps, the band. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's not likely a productive point. What I can argue is that Max Payne 3 perfectly captures, in plot, theme, and gameplay, a key aspect of the franchise. Midway through Max Payne 1, Max muses to himself, It wasn't about how smart or good you were. It was chaos and luck, and all you could do was hang on madly. A line that struck someone at Rockstar deeply enough that they named an achievement after it. And that feeling of just barely muddling uh, through impossible circumstances by the skin of your teeth with no real plan to speak of is faithfully held up in the third game. Max, and likely the player, literally can't speak the language of the conspiracy going on around him and is constantly just pointed towards problems by uh, cleverer people like a witless gringo attack dog. He fashions a makeshift suppressor uh, only for everyone to immediately know where he is anyway, because what else would he expect from starting a firefight indoors? He tries to slip into an airport wearing incognito sunglasses only to be clocked by the police comically fast because he didn't bother putting on a hat. He ultimately manages to bring down the conspiracy purely through thoughtless American violence and doesn't even understand it at the end. And granted, some of this is undercut by the fact that you're ultimately an action game player doing incredible action movie shit and overcoming all odds. But even within the gameplay, Rockstar managed to create a brutal, chaotic violence that feels somehow out of control even when it isn't. The unprecedented reactivity of animation means that every incredible feat of gun fu ends with an aging shoulder crunching into concrete or a bald head dinging gracelessly against a filing cabinet. <laughs> At the end of the dive, you lie immobile on the floor, praying that you have enough ammo left to juggle the last survivor, last survivor of a Brazilian SWAT team before you can headshot him. Max Payne 3 lacks the particular flavor of noir melodrama of the first two games, sure, but it really gets those games on a deeper level uh, than I think a lot of fans give it credit for. Yeah. I, I'm with you on the on the story and theme and stuff working working really well um in mm-hmm. those in those spaces. Uh I just don't think that 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 it meets that it meets the play as as well as you do. Um yeah. yeah. It's an interesting like uh conception of Max Payne three, because the idea of like barely controlled chaos or something that looks out of control that actually is in control, Mm -hmm. uh, has been, you know, that's also a big teardown thing. Yeah. Right. There are games that more, uh, similar to the, the perseverance thing, Mm -hmm. there are games that do more to kind of intentionally make that part of a text. Yeah. Than than Max Payne does. I, what Paul's saying is that, that this is very much intentional. I think it probably is intentional that he's supposed to be getting through in dumb luck, but it's not part of the game systems yeah. as much. Like the fact that he's constantly being disarmed and fucking up and falling down and stuff uh, is 
like is part of those, uh, you know, those game systems in terms of the, the, the text, the narrative of it. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the shooting, like, I don't know, I felt more Superman, yeah. you know, or, or dead. Uh, <laughs> really catching that middle place of like, I'm barely in control. Yeah. Uh, but also dog shit at this game. Like part of like of that is probably it not feeling like, you know, a kinesthetically satisfying third person shooter because, and that could be just cause I'm shitty at it. Yeah. You know, definitely could be something I'm missing. It's possible. So, yeah. Uh, and we have uh, one final uh, response here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got a late Chuck E. Cheese response. Uh, and this was too good not to put in. Uh, Anthony writes, I'm a bit behind in episodes, so I know I missed the deadline, but I couldn't help it write in about something. Growing up in the Chicago suburbs, we had a local horror movie-themed Chuck E. Cheese knockoff called Haunted Trails. While they sadly lacked any animatronics, they had shitty pizza, a full arcade, and mini-golf, all decorated with classic universal horror movie tropes. The corners were all covered in spiderwebs. Uh, There were Draculas and Frankensteins everywhere, and each hole on the mini-golf course was themed after a different monster, including a creature from the Black Lagoon water hazard. Uh, The entrance had an absolutely massive Frankenstein's monster statue, standing at about 20 feet tall and holding an axe menacingly. I had to look up some pictures to make sure that I hadn't hallucinated this in some sort of fever dream in my childhood, and I encourage you to do an image search for Haunted Trails Entertainment to see how amazing this place was. As a lifelong fan of scary things, I had the majority of my preteen and early teen birthday parties at this place, and had somehow all but forgotten about it until listening to the Chuck E. Cheese episode. As the memories came flooding back, this felt like something that was too far up both of your alleys for me not to write in and mention it. Um, and they say very nice things. Uh, thank you, Anthony. Uh, thank you for letting me know about Haunted Trails Entertainment. Gary, as somebody from the Chicago suburbs, had you um, encountered this place? No. No. It sounds awesome, though. It does. I just put it into Google because I was going to try to find some some pictures of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it shows up in Joliet. I'm familiar with Joliet mm-hmm. uh, there. But it popped up uh, Haunted Houses Near Me okay. as a map. Uh, including something called uh, Scaregrounds PDX, Fearlandia, and then Clown Forest Haunted House. Oh, 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 uh, oh! What do you think's going on, Clown Forest? I don't know, <laughs> but I have to know. Yeah, I, I got a Clown Forest Haunted House. They're all his aching. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I just deactivated the Winter Soldier. Uh, I, I have to, I have to look up Clown Forest Haunted House as well as Haunted Trails Amusement Park. You must. Uh, yeah, man, I, I hate this pandemic still going on because I miss this shit so much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Haunted Trails is still around. They have escape rooms. Ooh, uh, they're in stuff. They have a website going on right now in hmm. Juliet. Nice. Oh, good yeah. good for them. Yeah. Yeah, th- this looks badass. I'm way into this. That's a great concept for a place. I'm happy that they've uh, that they have managed to stick around. They've, they they the, have been their, rewarded with success. Their mascot is like a combination of several universal monsters. Yeah. He's wearing like a Dracula tie, but he's got creature from the Black Lagoon like fins. Gills? Yeah. yeah, fins and gills and shit. He's got the uh, he's he's got green Frankenstein skin, but a roughly skull like visage. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's all of them. <laughs> Phantom Fury's laser tag, the bone shaker. This this looks fucking great. I got to go back to I'm gonna visit Illinois, not to visit like my <laughs> remaining friends who live there, yeah. but just to go to haunted trails. <laughs> um, yeah, 
No, they've they've, they've got they've got a few. Uh, they've got a couple of locations. Let me see. There's uh, there's Joliet. There's one in Burbank, and in Lombard, uh, they've got one called Enchanted Trails. I think. Hmm. Yeah. All of this seems awesome. Monsters Tomb Game Rooms. Hmm. Yeah. Prize Redemption Center. bathrooms men's and women's i'm sorry boys and ghouls (laughs) drinking fountain um loading dock yeah Yeah. (laughs) looks incredible i bet you can buy a soda there um (laughs) i will do uh that's awesome thank you anthony Uh uh-huh uh Thanks, everybody, for writing in. We appreciate you. Mm-hmm. If you have things to say about uh, next month's games, June's games, uh, you can do so by the 15th. And those games are The Incredible Hulk, Ultimate Destruction, Terranigma, Out of This World, or Vampire. Yeah. Uh, go to duckfeed.tv slash contact, click the WAF button, and uh, write in. Please, if you have thoughts about multiple games, um uh write multiple responses one about each that makes our job possible um and uh generally we're looking for about two paragraphs on the length like on these bad boys um mm-hmm. yeah uh now it's time to announce july's games yeah yeah uh july grpg month mm-hmm. uh, bum, 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 bum. Uh, yeah, we've got an executive produced, uh, uh, episode, uh, that is also, uh, I'm, I'm throwing mine on here to make it into a two-parter. Uh, we're doing Final Fantasy 12, uh, as the first and second, uh, episodes of July. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're doing those in the beginning because we don't want to do a premium episode and split yeah. it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a, so a little bit unusual that we're doing those right in the, the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, uh, and then for our premium episode that month, we're doing Wario Land Four. Yeah, just as yeah. a nice our and- first entry in the real Wario games. I know. I mean, we did we did six golden coins, but that's him as a villain. You don't get to play as him. We also did that like nine years ago. Oh, I'm so I mean, more than nine years uh, ago. <laughs> yeah, like, it's been quite a long time. That was the ninth episode we did. <laughs> with six golden coins. Yeah, I think very, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's been a long time uh, since we've hit the Mario or the Wario verse, and it's silly that we've never done a Wario game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a I'm a pretty big fan of these. I don't know. We haven't really talked about them mm-hmm. uh, too much. They're all great. Yeah. The uh, the Wario Game Boy games are really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Nintendo classics, uh, and it's kind of a Nintendo heavy year, and I'm I'm down for it. I'm I'm so, fine with that. Yeah. Big yeah. War, big Wario summer. Yeah. Big Wario summer. <laughs> uh Wario's out for summer. Um yeah, so that's uh that's what we're doing. If you have things to say about that, July 15th, uh duckfeed.tv slash contact. Mm-hmm. Uh please write in. Uh you can also patronize us if you go to patreon.com slash duckfeed TV. Five dollars a month gets you those premium episodes. So uh Max Payne 3, Vampire, Wario Land 4, uh, and then all of our previous ones, mm-hmm. as well as bonus shows. Uh, access to the Slack, a welcome pack of those bonus shows that are available at higher tiers, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, you support us. And this is our job. And that's only mm-hmm. possible because of everybody's generosity. So thank you. Yeah. We really uh, we really do appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, range reviews on Apple Podcasts or Podcast Addict are also appreciated. Yeah. Um, and telling your friends. Of course. I think yeah. that's everything. Uh, any, yeah, that is, that is all. Yeah. Um, thanks, everybody. Thanks. We appreciate you. Yeah. And, you know, uh, treat, treat yourself to an airport day. <laughs> absolutely. Please. On For us. Love of God. Not on us. 
but you have our permission. 